Jeffrey. What's that you have in your hand, boy? Pass it over. A telegram. Oh dear. Seems someone has been biting me. Fetch me my trousers at once. No, not those. Those are my time travel trousers. Those are my tea trousers. That's it. Those ones. My fighting trousers. And we're rolling. There's three of us now. There used to be four, but Lucky's gone back to Age of Sigma. We didn't eat him. We didn't eat him. Lockie, we miss you. We want you back. Uh, he's the uh, sensible man in the room. I'm Tristan, aka Chubby Cheese. With me is... The Wild Blue Cheese, aka Rubes in the House. Yep. The sneakiest of cheeses. You should, sneaky? Sneaky? Stinky? No, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. That's, that's more a blue cheese sort Fred, of thing. It is. It is a very blue cheese. Fresh back from yelling at the Europeans. Oh, they deserve it. They Well, you, you did it well. You did us proud. Um, yeah, so we're back. It's been six months. A lot's happened. Uh, this is actually our third attempt at technically fifth because we tried to record this and then something happened and then we tried to record it again and your Rude's dog got sick. Rude's dog got sick. Yeah. <laughs> and, then we, and then we finally got Ages together. homework and yeah. everything. <laughs> and then we finally got together tonight and um, we got what? We got about, what, six or seven minutes in and um, yeah, the computer uh, shut itself. Yeah. It's good. Well, someone good. decided to play some music. Yeah, yeah. it was good. It was good. Um, so yeah, it's been a hectic six months. Um, sorry that we haven't been back sooner. We'll try and make a, an effort. I'm probably lying, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, so, yeah, look, hobby, quickly, Rubes, what do you got? Um, yeah, working on my DAC. Uh, been chipping away at some Wake Island US Marines. Um, I've been working on some solo or player versus environment type rules. Lovely. Um, so random uh, activations, random uh, unit selections. So that's been keeping me busy. Um, organizing the hobby cave a bit. The hobby um, cave is impressive. I, I, I yeah. yeah, I haven't showed you inside the wardrobe where I've got all my terrain stored out. I've got shelving in there now. So um, waiting on some more shelves for the actual main room and that'll Lovely. help me to clear things out a bit so I can actually game again. Um, yeah, not a lot other than that that I can really think off the top of my head, just chipping away at odds and ends. Fair enough, fair enough. Sneaky, what have you been doing since you've been back? Oh, well, since I've been back, um, just going through half-finished projects or three-quarter finished projects and now, just wrapping them up. I've heard a rumour mm. that you're not buying anything new until you paint everything you've got. I've been saying that for 25 years. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Yeah, seems... within reason. You know, <laughs> within reason. Within reason. But, um, no, so I've been trying to push through. Um, says, says the man who was literally like, oh, yeah, some of that Rubicon stuff looks really nice. Oh, yeah, it does look really nice. <laughs> Message from our sponsors. Yeah. Thank you, Rubicon. Rubicon. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I smell a jingle coming along. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon there could be a Rubicon jingle in the works. If you slow this down enough, you'll hear the backward masked messages. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, if you play this entire podcast backwards, Boy, it is literally Rubicon. just a it's, it's 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 a Rubicon advert. <laughs> uh, no, any, anyway, since since we last did the cast, um, I did a full uh, U.S. Airborne uh, Bastogne. Yeah, uh, we, Winter Americans. They looked yeah. they looked mint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Still needs a little bit of work. Um, you know, uh, I think did I you th- did you take those to bear? I did. I did yeah, take right. those to bear. Yeah. Um, still needs a little bit of work, I, I, I think, just to get it to that really nice phase. You know, I've got to find some um, uh, arm badge decals and, you know, various... What, for of, Airborne? Yeah. I might be able to yeah. help you there. Oh, well, yeah. Maybe. 
Cool. Um, yeah, little, little bits and pieces of it. Um, but since I've been back from Europe, really, I've been trying to um, push through as much uh, assembled but unpainted shit as I've got sitting around here. So um, I got my Norman army finished um, for Saga. They look really good. Yeah. Yeah, I was really happy with how that, that turned out. Um, just using a, a much warmer color palette than I would usually use um, really made that shit pop out. Um, I've got a little bit more work to do on my Teutonic Knights and then that's all wrapped up as well. Um, yeah. Still slowly chipping away at these 15 millimeter fucking... Oh. Oh. <laughs> that's something else. Because uh, mm. they're old as balls too, so the, the detail is not very good. Yeah. Um, I think technically they're older than I am and I'm I'm getting getting on a little bit they're, so uh, they're, they're older than you, you know our combined age yeah <laughs> well uh, many of them have a phone number handwritten on the um on the cardboard runner thing have and it's it? missing several digits oh wow the, the first two <laughs> digits yeah, yeah when it was the old six digit yeah right yeah wow. from sydney so um, oh no shit yeah yeah so, so it's my old phone number 541016 Five four one zero one six. I uh, and then the one before that was five two. Is that five four three two four seven? Mm. From so like nineteen eighty nine. Three nineteen eighty nine. I still remember that burned into my fucking head. It wasn't just like ring three for Tristan. It wasn't <laughs> ring one. Yeah, you had ring six 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 for Tristan. Yeah, you had an option. You'd either, either speak to Alexander Graham Bell or Tristan. <laughs> Not me. I was on the other line. It was a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah. Talk to me about sprues. Oh. <laughs> No, so you, you're chewing through projects. You, you're putting a neat little bow on everything. Yeah, re- really just to, to get that idea about um, I want all the shit in my cabinet to be finished because it's kind of depressing looking at a it's bunch of unfinished yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Yeah. Um, what are you, Tristan? What have you been up to? A lot. So Rubes and I have got an event coming up in about two and a half weeks. By the time this podcast comes out, I imagine it'll be like, yeah, the event's this weekend. Yeah, November 30th for those uh, playing along at home. Indeed. So I've been painting a lot of terrain. Um, Before that, let's rewind a bit. So for... There's your Rubicon ad. Um, Backward masking. (laughs) Um, Throw my train of thought for a second. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, it's a it's subliminal not, message as well. Yeah, we were just do. thinking about not buying some Rubicon kits. <laughs> I was, it, was, it was such an old Robin Williams joke. It was like, <laughs> Freddy is the devil. <laughs> Freddy is the devil. I don't remember what that was. Um, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, I went to Bear. So I started painting the LRDG. I think I was talking about painting they look that. Damn sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was talking about paint. I started painting those back when. I think we recorded our last episode. They're now all but done. So all the vehicles are done. So it ended up being two Warlord Chevy trucks, two uh, two Rubicon Chevy trucks, two Rubicon, uh, I think it's the, it's the CWP 15-ton truck. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, two Rubicon uh, SAS murder wagons. Love you, Ari. Um, and then just some assorted bits and pieces. But yeah, I put them together. Went to what bear with those, finished all that off, then went to Sulich with those. Uh, and then I was talking to Rob the other day. Uh, by the way, Rob and Garrett have a new podcast. It's a gaming podcast uh, called Order of Play. I'm pretty sure you can find it on Podbean. Um, check them out on Facebook, give them a like. Uh, I've listened to it. It's it's a damn fine podcast. I mean, because it's those two, like they're very, um, yeah, they bounce off each other well. Their first episode covers... Um, 
Oh, shit. Uh, Cold War game. Um, Team Yankee. Yankee. No. The other one, the really fucking amazing board game. Fuck. How have I forgotten this? No, it'll come to me later. It, it literally, like, it literally, in the last part of it, I go, this. And uh, yeah, they, um, they covered that. Um, we know what we've got for an outro now for the show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tristan awful. screaming game Outtakes. names. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twilight Struggle. Twilight fucking Struggle. Yeah. Have you not played that? I thought that was a science fiction game. No, no, it's Cold War. It's amazing. What is that enormously complex sci-fi game? Twilight Imperium. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Twilight Sorry. Struggle. You'd sneaky, you'd fucking love it. I mean, you'd like it as well, but you'd fucking love it because you've got to play like four different games within the main game. But anyway, I digress. They cover Twilight Struggle in the first episode. It's very, very good. Uh, give him a like. Order of play. Um, so I was talking to Rob and Rob was saying that he bought this army a while ago and he wanted to run it. It was Home Guard. And I thought... I can squeeze that in. So I started painting Home Guard and I've been painting Home Guard ever since. Infantry's done. I've painted, half painted an, armor, an armadillo. Can you answer this question? Go on. Do they like it up them? They <laughs> do not. I can confirm this. Robin played against me. They do not like it up them. Clever boy. Clever. <laughs> Stupid boy. Tristan, <laughs> Tristan has been uh, seeing along that. Who do you think you're yeah, getting uh, this together the whole time he's yeah, been painting? Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you the truth, though. Um, at work, I've had a couple of... Um, I've been doing sewer pipe relining. So basically what I end up with is about an hour and a half to two hours of very intense activity in the morning and then four hours of downtime. And let me tell you, Dad's Army on YouTube. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> Do you really think that's wise, sir? I love it. Um, yeah, so um, I'm doing all that. Oh, yeah, there's an armadillo. By the way, when did the armadillo become so fucking brutal? Mm. Uh, heavy auto cannon. Yeah. And two, um, I, I think, think it's either light machine or medium machine, though, isn't it? Yeah, but still. Yeah. Oh, it's. It, I mean, for and then armor seven or some shit because it's a concrete bunker on the back you of the truck. Back that shit up and you spin do. around the MGs. And it's got some really interesting units in the Smith gun. Have you heard of the Smith gun? No, no, I don't All think right. so. You, you will love this. One of the uh, stopgap funnies. Yeah. So this is something that the home guy came up with. Basically, what it is is it's two wheels with a gun in between it. So you pull it along. You'd see old Jerry, you'd flip the thing up, point it at him and shoot. Now, the rule that it has attached to it is called dangerous. And if you roll the hit and you roll a one, the gun explodes and kills the entire crew. Mm -hmm. It's fucking amazing. So Rob's also got like a black art bomber. Um, we've got an ATR that I'm going to model up because I've got this tiny little cannon. You should get him to find like a World War One era tank, like a he has, whippet. He has. A whippet he's done it. Mark yeah. IV no, no, no. He's, he's got a Mark IV. He's got oh, a Mark IV coming. Sweet. So in the event in Festive Front that we're running in a couple of weeks, Robin's 750 list will have a Mark IV tank in it. Mm -hmm. He's costed it up. He's used the Matrix, and I will tell you what, it looks really good. Well, there's rules for it in Berlin, I think, because they. Thank uh, you. I will look. At, can you look into that? Because yeah, they had, had one in a museum, like, yeah. I think, that they trundled yeah. out. Um, well, that was it. That's why Rob, like, Robin, Robin actually um, found a historical um, precedent where they actually wheeled one of these things out and you know got it going again. But um, his 1250 list has got all the good shit. It's got like a Stuart Hawker Hurricane. It's got you know engineers, got all this crazy stuff. And then so as he's taken it from the, uh, not the Observer, but as an actual... Uh, Aircraft from the, the yeah, experimental yeah, aircraft. Running a, war, running a warplane. Right. I have so. not seen that been done for a very, very long time. All right. Mm. So Rob and Sneaky Cheese, game one, playing each other. Sounds like a plan. Done. That's that, that's that sorted yeah. out. Um, yeah. So he's also taking 
there's, he actually contacted me and said that uh, he had um, a question about his list. He wanted to take a squad of engineers from the Western Desert book, and they've got this funky rule called Demolition Charge. You run up, you give the unit a down order, and they set a Demolition Charge adjacent to them. You then run off, and then either using a fire, ambush, or advance order, they, they, they basically trigger the demolition, or, um, they, the demolition Charge, and it goes off uh, with the strength of a heavy howitzer. Mm. So stick that on an objective. It's better than a partisan bomb. As long yeah. as the unit's still alive to trigger it. Yeah, yeah. It's cool as. Right. So yeah, and to digress, I uh, just painted a shitload of home guard and um, right. a heap of terrain. I've painted so much fucking terrain. I went on a terrain bender. Um, basically, my wife has kicked me out of the spare room. She said, um, we have a, a spare room that you've completely monopolized with all your hobby shit. And I couldn't really argue with that. Fair call. You've seen it. You saw it. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was we, we say sitting in my home office because I work from home. Yeah, <laughs> regularly. It's a good look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of my stuff got moved out into the front room. Little man's toys actually got moved into his room because he's reached an age where he can actually play with shit and put it back now. And uh, yeah, it's actually worked out well because I'm actually getting more hobby time in uh, in the evenings, which is really good. Well, one one question that comes to mind Please. while we're on our hobby section. Have uh, have either of you gentlemen had a look at the Citadel contrast paints? And if so, what did I you did. think? I did. I gave them a crack on some British commandos. Um, one thing I found, and I've heard a lot of mixed things online, read a lot of good reviews, a lot of bad reviews. Sure. Um, from what I'm seeing, the quality of the individual paints vary from colour to colour. Absolutely. Really? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I've used, I found an online guide that lists about seven or eight different nations and what contrasts to use. So I punched out some commandos. One thing I found is you need to make your undercoat solid, like solid white. You can't miss anything uh, with that undercoat. Otherwise, really? it just comes out a little too grainy, especially on a metallic, on, on a metal miniature. If you don't get yep. it, Sufficient coverage. So for that those shines through. for those not in the know, this was a series of paints that was released by G Dub or Citadel. Mm-hmm. Citadel is G Dub, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, essentially. And it's essentially a, a paint with an, an inbuilt wash. Um, it, yeah, it, it it behaves very much like a glaze, but yeah. it dries like a. Well, again, depending on the color, I, I I've tried out a few, um, and I've had really mixed results. Um, you know, I I hit on their Blood Angels Red. One and that is just absolutely beautiful. For I, I painted up all those fifteen millimeter red coats with yeah. that, and because it yeah. essentially gives itself the wash um, in something that's got relatively shallow creases on there, perfect. Because I'm the, I'm not doing highlights on a fifteen yeah. millimeter. Yeah, the one thing that I'm hearing a lot of is that they're good, but you're never going to win a painting award with them. Um, yeah, it's the design, again. The, the depends design. on depends on the color. Yeah. Um. I've I've got a couple of the colors that we, we that would we would we would more like, and they're going to be someone who's done five or six layers of highlights. Well, it, again, it depends on the on on how many miniatures in that army, how and what the model scale itself as and well. The model I itself. Um, the the kind of colors that we would be using in in a World War Two. Era, I've got a couple of those, and I wasn't greatly impressed. No, um, but I so think the reds par- and the blues, like primary partisan colors. Army? Partisan army, what, a partisan army might work better. Um, Civilians, yeah, basically. yeah, potentially Let's mix of colors, yeah, yeah. And look for for a um, say a fantasy gamer punching out a horde of skeletons or orcs oh, sure. or something like that. I understand that. I understand the Perfect. value. Yeah, yeah, I understand the value. I mean, being able to like, I know that um, Melbourne's own Nathan Shuttleworth is painting Russians. 
with um, no Russians, something. He's painting. He's painting an army for Mark uh, Newman, and he's using, doing it all in contrast. And he was showing but, me some of the results. And I remember thinking to myself, "That oh, looks yeah, fucking great." I've I seen mean, some good results as yeah, well. Yeah, I've but... seen people punching out Japanese armies yeah. and just fucking hundreds of miniatures getting done really quickly. I, yeah. I think it comes down to a bit of practice with the paints sure. themselves. Like I, I undercoated a whole squad, but I only ended up painting one mini because. I wanted to play around with it, see how it was. Wasn't too happy with the results and that kind of deterred me a little bit. Sure. I think you've kind of got to play around with learning how the paint flows, how to pull it around your miniature. How it behaves. How it yeah. reacts when it's been varnished exactly. as well as another yep. one. Because they go on quite shiny. Yeah. Um, and you've got to um, matte coat them quite thoroughly to get that that right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've found the value of that stuff with um, medievals and fantasies where you're looking at those... Bright colours that are difficult to paint, like yeah. yellows, reds, and blues. They, they self highlight and self wash. Yeah. at the same time. So I don't know. I just I, I I painted Jacob's partisan army last year, and that had a lot of reds and blues and yellows and all that sort of stuff in it. I think it just it's just time on the brush. If you're willing to put the time in on the brush, yeah, you'll get a good result. But I, it, I understand the value comes, of contrast. It comes down to as well what what you're wanting to get out of. If you're wanting to to put an army on the table super quick and yeah. it's not bare plastic or metal. Yeah. I think they're fantastic well, for that. Yeah. They're and and again with, with a um <clears throat> if you're used to painting well with traditional methods, you'll get a good result yeah. out of those. If you're a bare beginner, you'll get a better result than you would using the traditional Paints, methods. Yeah. But you I, might not learn those Exactly. Garrett and, I, I agree. Garrett and I have had this conversation many, many times as Garrett gains his satisfaction and enjoyment from getting an army on the table and pushing it around. I gain my satisfaction yeah. from spending the time at the table, painting it and making it look pretty and getting it to a level that I'm like, yeah, this is yeah. great. And, and so, it's, so for somebody like Garrett, contrast paints are going to be a godsend because yeah. you can literally just slap it on. It looks nice. It's you know better than tabletop standard, which is what I'm hearing. And happy days. You're all good. Yeah, look, I've seen pictures online of various armies. The people have got 60 miniatures sitting there and going, oh, yeah, punch these out in a weekend and the whole army's done. And it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and I think that's the value there is for Whereas those me, that want to... Me and Sneaky are punching out 10 in a weekend and going, yeah, we're, we're, we're cutting through the mustard here. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 can be, it can be done. And really what it, what, how I think this sits in um, for, for painters that are you know, past, past the, the novice stage is it's a shortcut for yeah. getting a lot of grind work done that yeah. will then yep. allow you to focus your energy on the, the bits that have the most impact. So, so yeah, what would, you, I agree. would you contrast and then highlight over the top of the contrasts? Potentially, yeah. See, I made the mistake mm. once. You know the army painter strong tone dip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, look, yeah. nice stuff. I use it on my vehicles. I think it does yeah. nice work on vehicles. But I remember when I first used that, one of the mistakes I made initially was I base coated my army and then used it like a wash. Yeah, isn't isn't it just yeah. like deck staining? Basically, kind of. It's <laughs> it's it's like treacle. You've really yeah. got to move it around and then you have got to hit I, it with the I tested it. We'll put it on on mount the miniatures on a drill and spin that to. That's basically you. That's a waste yeah. of. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I followed a guide. Fifty bucks a can. When I first got, I got. I just bought it from Bunnings. Yeah. <laughs> Deck right. I um, followed a guide that talked about dipping. Yeah. Um, so I tried it with, with a, a Space Marine from 40K. I tried two. One yep. was brush on and one was a dip. And I can see why people would put on a drill and spin it because it's so thick. I obskewered some of the... Yeah, and, and it's also... Yeah. That's, that's maybe not the best 
um, example to do it because you've got such big flat areas well, that you'll get tide marks and well, it wasn't so much the tide marks. There. It was around the venting on the backpack. Um, the exhaust there basically became a flat layer. I could see the detail through it, but it was smooth yeah. to touch. Well, I, I tried that with uh, Vallejo do a, a dipping immersion mm. stuff, and I, I've I've had a can of that sitting here for a, for a long yeah. time. Um, these days, I only use it for basing. So yeah, what it, what I do is um, like trying to dip a whole miniature in it. It it dries really weirdly and kind of cracks yeah. and fractures. But um, what I do these days is um, so my base is uh, made out of a mixture of grit and ballast and fine sand and whatnot. Um, so I spray that white and then dip the whole feet of the miniature in this shit and shake it off, yeah. so that that almost like washes the yeah. um, the the rocks and sand and whatnot, nice. and you dry brush that. Um, I I don't think on the whole that that any of those um, shortcuts, you know, the, your army painted dips and and washes and whatnot. They, yeah, you're certainly not going to win a win an award for it, but they. Yeah, hit, the well, useful no, I'll, I'll the useful there. thing is to push through a lot of the grind work quickly, so yeah. that you you can yeah. start doing the fun bits. Do you remember the Australian Army that I painted for the giveaway? Yeah, that was a dip army. Okay, yeah, I won a painting award. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying the mm. big note, but I mean that. But having said that, that was the army where I did all the base co- like all the base colors, blocked it all in, got it looking nice. And then hit the whole thing with fucking strong, uh, strong tone dip. Yeah, but yeah. that was all painted on very, very meticulously. Yeah. And then once it dried, testis dull coat. And then I thought, hang on a minute, I didn't do highlights. And then I highlighted over the top of the whole. So I basically used it like a wash. Fucking mm. pain in the ass because it takes days to dry properly. Mm. But I mean, if you look at, I think Brian Cook. I think Brian uses dip from time to time. But I generally use it on my vehicles. I didn't use it on my LADG because I didn't want to tone the color down. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, on my uh, any anything American, I'll always do it on American vehicles. Uh, but because yeah, it, it would it be that, that would be the last place I would something that had those flat armor panels. Yeah. Would be the last place that I would use that without cleaning it up very very thoroughly with a Q-tip soaked in white spirit or something. Well, that's essentially yeah. What I do is I paint it on and then. Like I use it sparingly. I don't just dolb it on and just watch mm-hmm. it just ooze all over my model. It's like kind of just, yeah, paint it on and then paint it into the recesses. And it's a, it's a very slow, laborious process. But you get a good result. Have you, you ever considered um, using oil paints for that? No. Is that yeah. worth doing? Oh, absolutely. Because cheapest chips, you, you, you're not using particularly fine-grade um, artist oils for, sure. for, for this. Um, so you go down to your local... Um, art supplies art supplies or even like your cheapo two dollar shop usually for about five dollars a tube you'll you'll be able to buy a uh, tube of burnt umber I have um, a tube of burnt umber yeah okay Not so an, uh, you want to get an some odorless terps um, and you just mix that so so thin um, and brush that on and it takes so so long to dry that you've got an awful lot of time to work that um, and just use it as pin washers. And really? Success. Yeah. Be good around exhausts and stuff like that for creating yeah, a bit yeah. of yeah. I mean, the, the oil run and stuff. The one caveat for that, though, is you absolutely must have a very hard, dry um, gloss coat all across your model. So before you've done any um, decals, so you, you put that on, yep. you do your decals, then you do it again. 
um, because it'll eat into that because you're doing solvents on top of oil. Sure, sure. Um, mm. You've got to give it a long time to dry. Like I, I tend to leave that shit for like two weeks to, well, to really yeah, cure. Yeah, so I don't have the patience for that. No, personally, I don't either. I can work yeah. on something else. I can, I, I can barely wait for a wash to dry yeah. before I'm, I'm having... Like, I've, I, I've usually put the paint on and I'm looking on, ooh, I want to wash it. Is it going to be dry enough? And yeah, then I end up yeah. going back over and well, you know the, it again. I, I showed you today, I've been painting up and um, assembling some terrain for yeah. the festive front. I've got these four um, uh, bomb craters that Mark gave me ages ago. I finally painted them up and I ended up doing them burnt umber. Uh, and then when they were dry enough, I coated them in um, oh shit, typhus corrosion. So that wash that's like a... like a It's uh, a greeny, gritty... No, it's like brownie gritty. Yeah. Like so a, yeah. did that. And then once I did that, it was, um, yeah, I think two, two levels of dry brushing. And then I thought, oh, I want to put like a like a, a muddy puddle. I want to put so I got some of that Vallejo realistic water, and I was just impatient. I did, I couldn't wait. And as I dropped it in there, I realized that the two browns that I've used for dry brushing and maybe a little bit of the typhus corrosion is still a little bit too wet. But happy days, it just looks like a muddy puddle. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've succeeded. It's all win. Good. Yeah, so yeah, I, I winning. Once you once you start working with um, oils, enamels, and solvents. You need to be very patient, and you need to yeah, let so that shit. Yeah, I don't have. I'm not a patient. No, I'm a slow a painter, but not a patient painter. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. right. This, is, this is why I can I can work on one squad from one of these half finished armies. Yeah, and have another thing from something else there. So and I'll just you put that back in the cupboard. Given that you it. you really can't afford to paint all you've got before you got buying anymore, because you'd be left for two weeks waiting for something to dry with nothing else to paint. Yeah, but True. I've just got like <laughs> boxes and boxes and boxes of Dark Ages spear, literally spear <laughs> carriers <laughs> there. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I've got enough shit based up for skirmish games now. Well, I might start, to have, start to have to um, block mount those into like denser ranks that sit mm. behind the, the skirmishes. You seem to be knocking out a lot of terrain as well, Sneaky. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I worked on that uh, La Haye Saint um, oh, I'm stuff looking forward that, to um, that on the table. Mm-hmm. That we got. I, I sort of started on that and then went away and, and uh, I haven't touched it since I've, I've well, been I think back. I gave that to you... Um, Just bear. after Bear. Yeah, yeah, I dropped you off after Op Bear. Yeah. By the way, Op Bear, how good was lunch? Yeah, that was fucking Mr. Awesome. Crackle. I told you it was good. Oh, mate. Oh, you were, were you up there? No, I had to work. Yeah. So the. But I did the, recommend the lunch. The, poli- the police officer missed out on the bacon lunch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's my once once a month treat. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I that's. Mean, I mean, that, that's cholesterolicious. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. once once a month. I, I, got, <laughs> I got the diabetes. Um, that was that. That would be my one. That would be, that, I think that's the one uh, draw card for uh, running an event in the city. Yeah. As opposed to doing it, you know, sort of out in the burbs, is uh, the lunch options are just off their tits. But I digress. So I'm going to digress even further. Sneaky, you invaded Europe. I did. Talk us through. Why did you invade Europe? First, well, of, first of all, was it an airborne or a seaborne invasion? Busborne. Uh, it was a busborne invasion. There was elements of, of, of everything, actually, because I was on a boat at one stage. <laughs> Was it Higgins? <laughs> no, we, we went past uh, the Battle of Jut- uh, Jutland. Oh, oh no nice. On the, on the ferry from wow. uh, Germany to, to Denmark. So nice. Was, that was something. Uh, listening to Viking music as That's we were. That's awesome. Going That's across. amazing. 
Um, yeah, so I went went over to Europe with uh, with my band, um, and we I, I was trying to work this out in my head. In sixteen days, we did thirteen gigs, so that was a pretty. So hef- so hang on, so sixteen days, thirteen gigs, how many countries? Jesus, <laughs> uh, you did a lot of Europe, them. didn't you? We we did. So we did multiple gigs: Germany, uh, Poland, uh, Denmark. Holland, or Netherlands, I should say, uh, Belgium, France, Switzerland, and then back into Germany. Sounds like 1940 all I over again. I was going to say. Yeah. It's yeah. Just... So, you, so, so you hit the ground running, you got over that. Now, from what you and I have had a couple of conversations, so we're not going to drill too far down into it. You kind of, I mean, I know that if I'm in a, like if I'm in a bus, I'm fucking miserable, but you're in a, you were in a bus for like, yeah, 16 days just with what, like seven or eight nine, other sweaty nine, guys, nine, nine other. Oh. Yeah, um, I don't know how. Look, I don't okay, know how you didn't. I don't know how you aren't in some sort of prison at the moment. Well, I I, I wonder about this as well. I, no, it's an intense intense regimen. Um, you know, because you're you have your lobby call where you know, everyone has to be ready to get in the van, usually about eight o'clock in the morning. Um, you drive off. You get your coffee at the petrol station. You keep driving. And Down driving. Das Autobahn. Das Autobahn. <laughs> das Auto. And driving. And driving. Um, so all you eat is shit from petrol stations. Uh, That's some you, of the best food in Europe, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get where you're going and then you start carrying um, heavy bass amplifiers and drum kits up three, four flights but, of stairs. But you're, a, you're the lead singer, Sneaky. Surely you don't... No, you no, don't, no, you don't no, no. Is that level, level, no, you no, no. for that? No, you get shouted at by people <laughs> if you're not carrying enough heavy shit up the, up the stairs. Um, and then you set up the merch desk and you sell merchandise in currency that has way too many zeros that you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and people shout at yeah, you. Just, just remember, mate, it's a euro, not a Reichmark anymore, okay? No, no, we had Zloty and we had uh, we, we had Krona. We had all sorts oh, the of... Cro- yeah, yeah, you're in the Krona. And, yeah. Hang on, were you in Sweden? No, um, Swati is... is uh, None Poland. of the Krona. Krona's in... Uh, um, Denmark. Denmark. Denmark, oh, okay. Sweden as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not the same. No, so a Danish krona is different to a Swedish one. I was going to say, if you're in Sweden, you should have looked up uh, Jacob Lotz. Yeah. He would have put you up and fed you. I guarantee you that much. Yeah, I'm sure he would. Um, yeah, so look, it's it's really intense and it's it's hard to maintain the focus to go and get on stage and give that 100% mm. with all of this because stuff. Because you're not just getting out there and shaking your ass like Cardi B or anything like that. You're giving a really, really intense... It's a, phys- like, it's a yeah, physical... Endurance. Thing. Yeah, and then you pack all that shit back in the van and sleep on someone's floor uh, for maybe five hours, six hours, and you get up and do it again. The funny thing is that you were telling me that you were driving through Europe and you were kind of looking out the window and you were getting really excited because like, oh, wow, this happened here and this happened here. And nobody gives a shit because... You well, know. it's a field with cows in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not really that... Unless you're, you're into the, the shit that you and I are not anyone inter- listening to this. We'd assume the listeners are interested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> li- literally, it is just a field with cows in it. 
uh, not if, very interesting. If you're not interested in this, I hear that the uh, Order of Play podcast is currently covering Twilight Struggle. You can go and check that out. So now you were telling me this as well is you actually drove past the uh, past the uh, the point where Steve McQueen tried to escape from uh, yeah, the yeah. Great um, Escape. Well, it, the would, great it escape. would be somewhere along there, and, and we were trying to do the Great Escape because the Swiss customs, um, because they're not part of the Schlangen zone. Um, they will ping you if you drive across the border and you have a bunch of band equipment and more particularly T-shirts and records that you're selling, they ah, will want you to tax. fill the ta- yeah. import tax shit, even if you don't sell it. So we drove for something like two or three hours around certain parts of the the border around Ober- Oberhausen um, trying to cross through into Switzerland to find an unguarded uh, <laughs> crossing. It's like something to the Cold War. <laughs> Just to save himself a couple of bucks. It's not, but it's not crossing. a couple of bucks, man. You should see how fucking expensive Switzerland cool. is. You couldn't tell them we, they were all your T-shirts? Zur- I wear a child small. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So we, we, got, we got into Zurich, which is, which is kind of beautiful. But, and we were walking down past the river, and I was saying, why is this so clean? And the answer was that there are just boom games of money that they wash, they, they launder, you could say, <laughs> yeah. that wash the, the river clean. milk, honey, and money. Yeah. Uh, weird, weird place. Yeah, I hear that. So... I you can just imagine Jay on the uh, German-Swiss border. Now I'm in Switzerland. Now I'm in Germany. Yeah. Now I'm in Switzerland. <laughs> Some guy just punching me. Yeah. <laughs> this is Germany. We don't want. take that here. <laughs> so... You got to the end of the tour. You gave it your all. I imagine you're physically exhausted. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're just pretty part- wrecked from at that point. Your lovely partner Marissa then came and joined you, and you actually started your proper European vacation. Yes, the the, the proper adventure. So uh, we we got back to Berlin. It's an, it's an adventure that involves clean bed sheets and you know oh, like a food, 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 <laughs> food <laughs> instead of like vegan slop. Yeah, and like something like how many feet do eighteen people oh, to eight people? So sixteen. 14 less feet <laughs> involved. Yeah. I don't have to smell other people's body odor nine hours yeah. a day. This is great. Oh, it was just beautiful. But um, So we got back to Berlin and uh, the next day, oh, a day or so later, we headed off to Prague. Oh, um, very jealous. No, I, that's that's a pretty amazing place. It's overrun with, with tourists. Oh, but, of course it would be, um, yeah. uh, We got out of Prague a little bit and went to Kutnahora where they have the uh, the – most goth place in the whole world. <laughs> uh, oh, is this this, um, is that that skeleton? Yeah the, yeah, the church crypt where it's all been made out of bones. Bones, yeah. Um, and other than that, it's, it's a really beautiful place. Like um, one of the best preserved sort of medieval central mm. European towns because it wasn't big enough to attract Spe- any attention. Well, speaking, of, speaking of preserved towns, I mean, this wasn't preserved, but you went to Dresden. I did go to Dresden, yeah. And, and you uh, actually got a day in Dresden. I, I did. Yourself. So, yeah, we we, um, we played there on the previous evening and we essentially had a day off there. So um, I just, I'd been up all night anyway and I just sort of started walking towards the city. Um, and I, I was a bit amazed that um, it's uh, a lot less Slaughterhouse-Five now than it was <laughs> back in the day. And, and that, uh, as, as we were discussing earlier, that... I was surprised that the Eastern Ger- German government would have rebuilt that Baroque style as as they did. You know, I sort of thought mm. to to see it look a lot more like uh, plain concrete Krakow sort or of yeah, Warsaw or something like mass that. Mass produced, um, even like Berlin. Yeah. Just yeah. That it yeah. looks very new and very cold and very empty. 
Yeah. But I mean, even uh, we, we were in Warsaw for a little bit and uh, Warsaw doesn't look as fucked up as you would imagine. You can see elements of it there if you know say, what I to think, look for. I, I mean, yeah. Well, like with Dresden, the same with Warsaw, I think that there are certain cities across Europe that are just going to bear, like forever they will have like these really deep psychological scars. Like I hear Warsaw and I just immediately think of the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm. You think yeah. of Dresden, I mean... The firebombing, like, yeah, yeah. the firebombing, yeah. Bomber Harris, um, all that. It's, it seems to be more present, perhaps surprisingly, but actually more present in Berlin um, because it's only recently that it's been beautified Shall we, yeah, shall we no, say? I've watched quite a few documentaries where they look at some of the older buildings and you still see the the bullet holes oh, and, yeah. and where they've yeah. and hit so if, inside if the you're buildings and around, stuff. Um, uh, down, downtown Warsaw, yeah, you you see that. If, mm. if you know to don't look at street level, look at one or two stories up. Where it's can, too much work to get up and yeah. oh, no one's going to notice a bullet hole up there. It's a, bit, it's a bit like that in Berlin. Mm. It, you, there are certain parts of Berlin you walk through and you can just see where the Red Army came yeah. through. Um, similarly, like um, Wraclaw, which was Breslau, um, is, that's in pretty good condition, but you you can see it. But all, all of those Central European towns carry this weight of, of history. That's, a, that's a really good word. They carry a weight. That yeah. is a really, really good description of those places. And it's not necessarily even the 20th century. It's shit from the 15th, yeah. 16th word, century. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's one question for you. When, when you memories. went to uh, Prague in the Czech Republic, um, did you stop in the uh, Kelly's Heroes Village? No, no, we didn't. So we, we were just on the... So that was the last time that Sneaky Cheese was going to be on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you failed. Well, F- funny no, story I mean, about that. I can't in... talk about all these crates <laughs> of gold in, in the basement. And the uh, Tiger Tank you, you bought. <laughs> yeah. But Oddball, it's a piece of junk. It's a piece of junk. We didn't have as, uh, as much of a chance to, to get off the... Uh, beaten trailers we might have liked the because we went, we went driving and we had a, a fair bit of luggage um, kind of with us. So. We also had mm. like a bus full of people who maybe weren't all that interested in jumping off to see villages where tanks might have rolled through where, yeah. 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 I imagine if the three of us were in a band, that tour would have taken about six weeks longer than it probably should have. Yeah. Maybe yeah. 12. Maybe 12, <laughs> probably. Well, I mean, there's there's different ways to do it. I mean, we, we had to be quick in and quick out because – um, we had ah, people who had ex- yeah. exam- exams to sit back here yeah, shortly sure. thereafter. I mean, o- other bands I know from Australia um, will actually take longer with it, take longer annual leave and go, well, what's the point in playing a gig on a Monday or Tuesday? Mm. Um, so, And they'll allow themselves more time to move yeah, around and nice. just to hang out. and whatnot. We, we didn't have that option. Um, Vienna was interesting. Um, so we we did Vienna after after the tour finished. Um, the impression of of Vienna really is that um, it's now a modest provincial town squatting in the ruins of an imperial capital. Um, wow, I like that description. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's like like they said of Rome in the 16th century. Yeah, you know, like this was. Um, the Austro-Hungarian Empire was the second biggest state in Europe, second only to Russia, at, up until 1918. Yeah. And now Austria is just the Austrian part of it. But yeah. all yeah. of the civic buildings are of such a monumental scale to reflect the, the power of the Habsburgs. Well, there's a lot of, lot of history in that area of the world. I mean, you look at the Ottoman invasions, the Mongol invasions, 
basically everyone reached Vienna and then yep. got kicked back out of Europe. So, so the, a the lot cool of history. Thing, the cool thing about Vienna that we we saw, um, we we had a mishap on the on the way to the train station that turned out to be uh, very fortuitous um, in that we jumped the wrong person's Uber and he tried to take us to the airport and I'm going, no, no, we're going to the train station. So he turned around and went back and we drove past this enormous um, citadel sort of thing and I was going, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's the um, uh, the old manufactory barracks uh, command centre Sort of thing. Your ears would have pricked up immediately yeah. when you started saying that. And so we, we got to the train station. We had like three hours. Um, so we put all our shit in the locker and went, well, according to the map, we can walk there in 20 minutes. And it was the most amazing museum there because they had all of the armor going back to the um, uh, Ottoman Wars. Well, wow. um, kid in a candy yeah. store. Yeah, that's tanks, amazing. cannons. They had the eighty-eight millimeter inside there, like <laughs> all the shit. And I mean, the the Austrians' attitude to the Second World War stuff is a little bit less critical than it is in in Germany because they yeah, it's a very it's weird in Berlin as well. Yeah, like, I mean, it's yeah, they, sort of, they it's really a, look down it's a on deep that. sense of shame. Yeah, the Austri- Austrians. Um, uh, rationalize that by saying, "Oh no, but we we were we were occupied by Germany, yeah. therefore not our fault." Well, annexed, annexed. So they're a little bit less hung up on it. So the the display, uh, the way that that stuff was displayed was, I thought, a lot more interesting than it would be in a in an equivalent German museum. Does Austria have similar laws to Germany with the uh, swastika being um, illegal to display? Not to, not to that extent. Um, Somewhat, but as as I say, they're a, they're a bit less so um, frowned upon, but neurotic. not illegal like in Germany. Well, it, it probably is illegal, but um, it's the second order stuff. Like I, I think yep. for them, there it's it's a little bit easier for them to put that into the past and say that belonged to a different 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 era, era many many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely amazing museum. And um, when we when we post up the podcast, I'll I'll try and put some photos. Um, yeah, please on do the, the Facebook page. Um, so well, as, I, fo- as you I, I followed in, your Facebook page pretty religiously while you were gone because you were seeing some really oh really yeah. Stuff. yeah yeah yep. it was pretty cool. Um, so we we stayed there for a few days. I, I got to see the um, uh, there was a Dura exhibition uh, on at the one of the museums there, which was amazing. So I saw all of the. Uh, uh, the Dura pieces, the the um, art museum there is absolutely astounding. Yeah, it would be. Um, there's still a big flak tower. Oh, did you go to that? Uh, I didn't go to that one, but I saw one in Guarantee Hamburg. Guarantee you tried to move in. <laughs> I saw one in Hamburg, which yeah. is, um, this shit is the size of an office building and they use it as yeah. an office building. No, yeah. really? Yeah, it's wow. got like a techno club downstairs and there's apartments <laughs> and the offices. Club. Um, yeah, it, but they are fucking huge. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, they're so big that they haven't been able to demolish them. Well, well they, they, that was um, the thing. It, they, the cement yeah. was so thick that the Soviets couldn't bring them down. So in the end, they the Soviets just went, them. ah, we'll just leave just them. Leave it, yeah. They buried one of them. They were, yeah, able there was, to... there was, they were designed that they were meant to be impregnable. And they were also, they had. I think most of them had their own wells. Yeah. And they were stocked. And the idea was that if Germany fell, that these were going to be the last bastions, bastions of yeah, yeah. Like holdouts. Yeah. And like it was just like... We're well armed. We're well supplied, and in the end, what it came down to is the blokes basically said, oh, "I just kind of want to go home." 
Yeah. yeah. Fuck this for a joke. Yep. See ya. I mean, so, similarly in, in, in Hamburg, if you go and have a look at the um, submarine docks, yeah. uh, that's a pretty impressive piece didn't, of engineering. Didn't they just find some docks in the past couple of years yeah, they with did, an they, intact they, U-boat? With a whole intact U-boat. And, yeah. And they, at no one point, way. they just yeah, filled it, it with gravel. it was just hidden since the war. They had just filled it with gravel um, and built on top of it, um, but they found like a whole... Yeah. Intact U boat under. I mean, that, that's Indiana Jones shit. Yeah. I mean, to find something intact like that. Imagine the the first guy to walk down that corridor, walk out into the into the pen, and just see that sitting there. No, it was silently. it was full of gravel. They had to, it like, had to be do, excavated. Uh, grave, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, but um, at some stage you're going to be able grader. to. Yeah, like at some stage you're going to be able to walk into it, though, aren't you? Yeah, and eventually. Yeah. Yeah, just like that stale smell in the air. It would just be incredible to like kind of walk into that and. Yep. just be like this is like how they keep trying to find the the train with the, the gold um, train gold trains oh, yeah. the, the amber room. I love yeah. I love hearing about you know and some guys about where is where is the amber room from the yeah. Uh, yeah. the yep. winter palace yeah I I love hearing stories about that I mean I mean you know that in your yeah. heart of hearts chances are it's gone it's it was or smuggled away it's sitting in a swiss bank somewhere or it's or, so buried that it's just never going to be found it's no, in some exactly right. obscure location that uh, no one's ever going to find it i heard they found um they found a nazi base in antarctica recently that they didn't know about it was were, just, were there it was, ufos there no nah, well this is um, <laughs> you laugh but it was actually a weather station they sent some guys down there because they were monitoring weather mm. all these guys got sick was it with, Ant- antarctica or greenland no antarctica. greenland there was but six. they find them and they they found those guys yeah. like a year later yeah yeah no, Six bases in Greenland alone, I think, because yeah. the the, um, the Danish troops out there ran dog sled teams. I was actually reading about this on the weekend, and came across the first one that had been operating for about a year in secret because it was such a big thing getting that Northern Atlantic weather, yeah, um, and the patterns and everything down. That that's why they'd ship out these these teams to do secret landings at night and set up weather yeah. stations. Well, these, um, the guys down in Antarctica, they were based on an island off Antarctica and I think there was something like six or seven scientists down there. Um, they all got really sick because they eat um, polar bear meat. And that, what's the... Uh, what's no, the that'd moment, be, that'd like, be the Arctic then. Yeah. Yeah, so what was... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it was. very bad because all of that stuff has a high... Or, or shark... Thing that you have to treat it very yeah. well. There was, it was, it's the same. It's the same stuff you get from eating raw pork. Is it um, um, trichinosis? Ah, uh, okay, right. So the, there's something you can, you can get from eating a lot of um, Arctic sharks and whales and stuff because of the antifreeze wow. that they have in, in their, their bloods and yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, which well, is these very guys poisonous. got sick and then they eventually kind of pulled them out. But the um, the entire base was just left. It was abandoned. Um, when we go on the break, I'll, I'll try and find the article. But yeah, it was. They came across it. And they had like all these supplies, and like imagine being the guy who finds that finding period yeah. appropriate yeah. stuff and all the documents, and it's all just sitting there perfectly preserved. I mean, there, there's the, there's all the, the crazy conspiracy theory stuff. If if you want to go down this rabbit oh, hole, Hitler's in the Amazon. Um, <laughs> no, that uh, Hitler with the UFOs is in the Antarctic, and oh, this yeah. is why um, I think it was Operation High Jump. Um, they sent the U.S. Navy down to the to the Ar- uh, Antarctic, um, and they according to who you read, um, beat a bit of a hasty retreat. Some people would say because uh, there were flying saucers there and this is why all the flying saucer sightings began in 1947 at that same time. Um, It's a really weird conspiracy rabbit hole, but it absolutely exists. If you've seen that film, Iron Sky... um, (laughs) There's a second one. There's another one coming out. And I'm going to see Leibach play... um, in January, nice. uh, they're coming to Australia, but they're doing the uh, the North Korean 
thing that because they they were the first Western band ever to be invited to go and play in North Korea, <laughs> and they were only allowed to play the Sound of Music. <laughs> wow! Uh, because oh, a, a lot of um, North North Koreans apparently learn English by watching these by the approved, hills are alive approved films um, that that are ideologically solid enough that they'll they'll so I wouldn't think the sound of music would be an ideologically approved film it's all about going against uh, going against the man and fleeing yeah who knows um but you you want to listen to the the Leibach (laughs) versions of uh, my favorite things (laughs) it's it's pretty intense that's awesome and there's a great documentary that vice made about Leibach in in north korea and and uh they they explain that quite well about their um rationale for for going there but we digress. We do. I don't know how we got onto Arctic Nazis, but um, yeah. I don't even know where we were before that. Um, you'll have to excuse me. I've been awake since 4 a.m. Um, yeah, it's my little man is causing me no end of stress at the moment. He's fine. So moving forward, we had uh, – we're going to rewind again. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had Op Bear. So before Sneaky went away, that was the last event you had. We had Op Bear which was a, an event run by Lee Avery um, in uh, Good Games Melbourne. We had a total of 667 points to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, lads, how do we find the points value? I always like something a little offbeat. I mean, I didn't make it to bear. I was um, ended up being on night shift that weekend, so I did pop in for a short stint to say hello and pick up a few things that I bought from a few people that were there. But I um, always like a bit of the different point values. I like something, mixing it up, you know, so you don't see a standard cookie cutter stuff. So personally, 667 points, very interesting um, from what I saw on the table. I mean, oh, as, again, uh, I was only there for about an hour or so, uh, but I did have my Belgian list ready to go. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I quite like seeing oddball-type levels like that to to see what people really throw into it all. It it did seem to have a a fair few left to sandal lists there. Um, mm. you didn't see so many of the the usual suspects. Yeah, I um I'll read my list out. I I took the LADG at 667 points. I was trying to do a um a recreation of um the Bass raid. Now I've since done a lot of reading on the Bass raid and I've got a couple of things wrong, but that's fine. So I took a regular second lieutenant. Um, I took a six-man commando squad with four subbies and two rifles. I uh, took two, two of those. Uh, I took an SAS squad, five men, uh, with three submachine guns, two rifles. So two of those. So four squads of infantry, veteran infantry, but quite small squads. I took a regular light mortar, regular boys anti-tank rifle. Uh, my natural, natural, my national characteristic was up and at him. I took an SAS Jeep and I took uh, two trucks with MMGs for a grand total of 664 points. So I came three points shy. I could have taken another submachine gun. An SMG, yeah. Yeah, we'll but do. I mean, what's, what is the point? I mean, all those, I mean, uh, the commanders are tough fighters. The SAS comes standard with pistols. Um, so basically all I'm losing out on is a bit of, a bit of range. Yeah. So I took I took that to the event. Um, I'd never run LRDG before, so I had no tank, um, had no artillery observer. So no most of the things that you kind of rely on. I had no sniper. The idea was that all of the infantry would fit in the transports, 
apart from the LT who stays back and brews the tea. So basically it's a, a very mobile, very, very hitty force. Um, basically three vehicles roll in, they dump everyone out. Um, also, I, I pulled first place, I think. I think I did. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I put that down mainly to um, being mobile, of having two two trucks, uh, having a lot of firepower. The SAS Jeep looks very very scary on paper, until you actually it's like, oh my god, it's got a forward facing heavy machine gun, a forward facing light machine gun, and two rear facing light machine guns. Try and get all those firing at the same time. It's fucking hard. Like you have to be like right up in the enemy's deployment zone, angle correctly. And you have to have targets of opportunity. And if you do not put those targets down, the Jeep's gone. Is, is it assumed that the... Um, uh, so it's not a transport vehicle? No, it's not. No, okay. It's, 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 an, so, so it's an escort. All fire, it, yeah, fire yeah, it's an escort yeah, vehicle. Yeah. So the idea was that, um, yeah, that I have four squads of infantry and they were quite small but quite survivable. Um, did we play four games? I think we did. We yeah, it was. Four games. It was four. Yeah, it was four games. A good. It's a good amount at that at that points yeah. level. It was all on four by four boards as well. So it wasn't on six by fours. It was on four by four. So, so with that mobility, up. you're right on top of someone as soon as you well, want to be. The funny thing was that two of my games. So I ended up my one of the games I played. I think I played uh, Gordon. Big shout out to uh, to Gordo. He's one of our he's one of our new players in the Melbourne scene. Um, really nice bloke. Um, Gordon had to. We played that. It's that mission where you've got to get off the enemy's board edge. Is it envelopment? Uh, yeah, yeah. Something, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I had to defend. And me defending on that is just horrendous. I'm like, I want to be attacking because, shit, all I've got to do is just load up my transports and just run them. And, you know, just do that. And that way, you know, I can probably... So yeah. I ended up defending. I had to stop him. And it was like literally just setting up gun lines. And because I'm, I don't have a heck of a lot of... Um, of infantry I've got no light machine guns I've got fuck all rifles so everything's kind of got to come to me the only thing I really had was my SAS Jeep and my two um, trucks with medium machine guns to kind of hold things off you almost have to play aggressively and, and your best defence being offence really wouldn't you uh, see you no, think so I, no I, 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 yeah. I made that mistake in that game Aaron, yeah. Aaron Cattle played me like a fiddle <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he he was very clever about about that. That he's a very clever I thought, player. I thought I had this in the bag, and I got overconfident. And he was able to just make a break and run right down a road and run three yep. vehicles off in one. The old switcheroo. And I was yeah. like, oh shit! I just didn't <laughs> yeah. see that. The idea is yeah. what you do is you block the road with your infantry, so you can't move through. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I thought I could destroy them because he would have to go through such a field of fire to get through yeah. but yeah. I just failed to pen every time well now that vehicles roll on the vehicle damage chart there are a lot more like soft skin vehicles roll on the vehicle damage a lot more chart they're a lot more survivable yeah but um, the other game that I had was against Pedro and that was the one where um, he had to kill my officer so it was the one where um, oh was it uh, uh, Manhunt Manhunt thank you very much I was like last man standing or some shit like that yeah so he had to kill my officer and um, you get to come on from uh, uh, board edges. I think any board edge you want or something. Is there that got some... the chaotic? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was battle. a weird one. Yeah, yeah. so it had that, it had that kind of rule. It's got that chaotic battle yeah. or swirling battle or yeah. something like that. That's, so that's quite an interesting. I don't mind you can, it. You can, yeah. you, can, you can win it very quickly if, yeah. if you just go, 
keep your eye on the on the yeah. objective, which is kill that guy. Don't yeah. do anything else. So, yeah. Just I was, run up and I was very the shit lucky that, that I was very lucky. I was able to hide my officer behind a building. And Pedro, and what's the old saying is you do not interrupt your enemy while he's making a mistake. Pedro completely forgot about the mission parameters where he could come on from any board edge he wanted. And he brought all of his shit on from his board edge. And then all I had to do was basically just hold him back. And I just created a porcupine around my commander. And anytime he came close to me, I would either assault him away. I would bat him back with uh, machine gun fire or my Jeep. And he just couldn't get close to me. My little, um, my light mortar hit a couple of vehicles, took out a couple of vehicles, and that was that was always funny. But um, yeah, uh, you and your a, bloody mortars on vehicles. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> took out your grilled cheese. Oh no, so the Sig thirty three. No, the grill. Yeah, yeah the yeah. grill. So um, yeah, it was a very very good day. Sneaky, what did you end up taking? Uh, I I took my uh, Bastoin um, Americans. So That's right. That was a bit of an in- interesting list. Yeah. Um, so it had a hardcore of, of veteran paras in yep. there, but it had yep. the transport guys and potato peelers and <laughs> inexperienced and green um, guys in there sure, as well. Sure, just throw everyone in the yep. fray. Uh, no air observer because you know, yeah, it's you walk, snowing. Yeah, why do you know the cast? Yep. Yeah, exactly right. I, I didn't take some of the funkier stuff that I was considering, which were the um, uh, engineer machine gun teams that are automatically cool. dug in. Um, I nice. was thinking about that, Ooh. but I didn't. Um, it was really just whatever I could knock out out, out of that. Um, I mean, so I had a, a bunch of paras that, that you gave me. Um, yep. uh, I got I a squad of, um, in War Games Illustrated, they had the, a squad of, a sprue of the... Uh, uh, new American, New Americans, yeah, yep. quite so nice actually. Those minis, yeah. Um, and I had a bunch of winter veterans already done. So, did you take any vehicles? Uh yeah, I, t- I did actually. I took the M um, ten, the the uh, the Wolverine. Yeah, yeah very the very Wolverine, nice. Yeah, uh, I don't think I took the Greyhound. No, I don't think I did in the end. I, uh, That'd I be the way to do it. It would be a, yeah, yeah. Like but a, it, it, the points were either the Wolverine. Were, oh, so I would have taken a Hellcat. You sacrifice an armor point, but it allows you to, to up your... Uh, and you can also take Reiki. Well, it, w- it was really just a, an army that was built out of stuff I already had. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the core of that army was my um, uh, Panzer Brigade 150 yep. guys that I already ran as a sort of adjunct to my um, Winter Germans. So with only a couple of extra squads and one extra tank, I've got a whole American army. Yeah. Now, so. Well, this is... I actually took um, inspiration from you... In that my LRDG list, the two squads of commandos were actual the uh, British um, Commonwealth plastics, mm. and my two squads of SAS were actually the Warlord DAC models. Oh yeah, so, okay. yeah. So yep. I was I was playing those guys as the SIG, which was the Special Interrogation Group, mm. and those were the guys who were actually um, trained up. Like they were they were uh, German expats living in the UK or living you know in the in the, in the free world. And they were drafted back in and they were trained as DAC. They were trained away from the regular troops. They were given all authentic gear down to their underwear. Um, fun fact, uh, a few of the blokes who went into Tobruk to try and free it were separated. Uh, they realized that the entire thing had kind of fallen on its ass. Uh, they were stood on a beach, the three of them, looking at each other thinking, well, shit, if we get caught wearing this stuff, we're done. So they actually stripped nude, throw all their clothes away and then walk down the beach in the raw until they actually in that, found that strong African sun. Yeah. No, no, well, this was, uh, luckily this was wow. at night. Luckily this was at <laughs> night. 
Um, so they strolled down the beach in the nude until they found um, some dead British, I think they were the commandos or regulars, uh, stole their uniforms and then walked back to British lines. And I don't know how many hundreds of kilometres it was, mm. but they actually got back. Uh, it's incredible. Like this, inc- long and, way and to go for time, a change of clothes. Exactly right. And the whole time they were being harassed by the enemy and they were being looked for and... It was just, I mean, uh, Damien Lewis has actually got a really, really good book about it. It's like that that uh, film they made um, in the eighties, uh, "The Emperor's Naked Army Marches On," which is the film what about you the watching. No, What's it's a, it's a film about the last holdout um, in the fil- last Japanese guy in the Philippines who had oh, been out there. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah. been out there long enough that his uniform had rotted, rotted off, yeah. off, and he I've was actually, like a naked dude I've actually out got his there. Book. The, it's actually a really interesting read. Yeah, didn't they have to get like his his old his old CEO his had to come CO out and broadcast to, orders yeah. to surrender? Yeah, in seventy two or seventy four, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. And yeah. he was killing like two or three blokes a year. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he thought he was still at war. And he he still, believe it. I think, out of his old uniform, all he really had was he still he had his garrison hat. Yeah, his, his cap. Because uh, the picture of him when he surrendered, he had his hat, and they actually brought a sword for him to hand in to surrender. Basically, it's amazing. Like, it's an it's incredible, incredible story. Bizarre story, isn't it? But um, so yeah, I had the DAC, and that was basically because you ran Americans in a German army, and I thought, mm. what a cool idea! In that you know, all of my shit doesn't need to look the same. Still a desert army, mm. but I can kind of change it up a bit, and it adds a bit of flavor. Well, it's it's a it's a an idea I'm coming around to. Um, the more that I played um, historicals from the era before there were uniforms, about I don't need to have spear carrier, carrier one through 36 be different in every army. I, yeah. Because I'm, unless I'm playing a game with two of my armies against each other, um, I can just have a pool of relatively generic um, guys that fit in with with all of these these different ones. And so the, the thing about having um, that come, they, they, those can slot into your DAC army when you, when yeah, you start absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. The same and way that, that my American... German slash Americans can just be Americans in in my uh, American army. Now, how did you go on the day? Um, from memory, I went two wins, a draw, and a loss. So you did did reasonably well. Reasonably with the well. I mean, I mean that the was the first time I'd ever played played an American army. It's so pretty it forgiving. It really is. Yeah, it, it's it's easy mode. I mean, yeah, Finns and Americans easy mode. Definitely. Yeah, no, I've I've been planning a, um, a Tunisian American army where basically everything's inexperienced um, or green. Um, yeah, my plan for my American army is to have a full company, uh, one platoon for Tunisia, one for Italy, one for Normandy and Northern Europe following the Big Red One. And reading the early war American list, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you've got the move and fire rule and that sort of stuff. It makes it a lot easier and a little no, bit more forgiving. No neg coming on an outflank. Yeah, um, gyro stabilizers on, on certain veteran tanks. Yeah, but see, they can't play, be veteran tanks in a inexperienced. Yeah, army. playing Tunisia, uh, Tunisia, everything's inexperienced. Fair enough. So no gyros. Air um, observer getting extra swing. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I'd probably take an um, artillery observer for Tunisia, um, sort of representing naval gunfire. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think mid to late war American. Easy mode. Well, it, yeah. it, it, again, it depends. I mean, you depends can do do up. as I did and deliberately hobble yourself a little bit to yeah. represent the historical list. Because well, see, see, if I'm, I was playing a, a, see, a more competitive list yeah. at a slightly higher points, I wouldn't necessarily put, you know, transport troops and type 
typists and and yeah. uh, all of that that stuff in that and list like of the paras. I would my, have all veteran paras. My Guadalcanal Marines and my Wake Island Marines, I won't be using that moving fire because they're using bolt-action rifles. So I'm going to personally just ignore that rule for the sake of See, I th- fluff. There's, there's an easy way to fix it. I mean, they, I mean, I think they should really do it with all the bolt-action armies is that if you take inexperienced troops, they don't benefit from the, benefit from the national rules uh, the same way the British do. If you take inexperienced British, yeah. they do not get the national rule. Oh, I think an MG42 fires at the same rate. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's how but, effect, but, but how effectively it fires, that, how well you can it. cycle it, that weapon. And that's what comes into the MG42 is how experienced is the crew at reloading it, changing the barrels, knowing where to arc your fire and stuff like that. So I can, I can see that. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can see that. I can see I mean, that. I mean, I'm talking more like, you know, I mean, you look at what the Americans have, like moving and, moving and shooting. Why does a, an inexperienced American troop get that? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're trained well. You, you risk getting back to getting back to the the old thing about oh, of course, all mortar teams are inexperienced because <laughs> it, they're playing canasta. You, you'll pick yeah. the parts out where you take no penalty for absolutely. It yeah, and look, I'm, 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 I'm guilty of that. List. I mean, I've run an, an inexperienced mortar in quite some time, and I, t- I was really happy when they decided that if you take an inexperienced mortar, you don't get a spotter. Well, all of a sudden, we don't really see inexperienced mortars too frequently anymore. Exactly. It, that fixed that problem. Um, so that's, that's a good fix. Well, we do react to the meta. In, yeah, we, we like do. to pretend yeah. that we don't as a, as a community, or at least in Australia. But um, Hey, just speaking of the meta quickly, I'm just going to interject. So Garrett is coming to Festive Front, right? Have you heard about this list? All right. So the crux of it is two Flak 88s and two Stukas of Fuss. Yes, I have seen that actually. Yeah, you. Where have you seen that? Oh, did I put it up in the chat or something? Yeah, like? yeah. Okay, cool. So, what can I t- just initial thoughts? Um, depending on the army, I think it's a glass cannon. Um, the the army I'm that in, you're I'm up in against. the same boat. I've played against it, Mort- yeah, and he yeah, loses as often mortars, as he wins. Once those mortars start ranging in. Um, Particularly if you consider, and, and somebody called me up on this, because my, my FLAC 88 is still based for version 1. Now where you what have the, to have the, everyone within the, two the inches. Meta cannon. The meta cannon, yeah. yes. Um, now that you have to have... That gun. <laughs> looks like they're performing some yeah, weird ritual, ritual around yeah. the cannon. Yeah, but now that you have to have everyone within two inches, um, it's yeah, not hard to just reach. lose almost the whole gun crew. And yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I, I will root, especially for something like a Flak 88, which has, what, seven men crew? Yeah. I'll routinely yeah. ignore that fucking shit. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Seven dudes. I mean, you're going to have like a guy, I mean, you can have a spotter with those. I love the, the binoculars that they have for those. The range finders that, yeah. Yeah. Like, not, and you're not going to have seven blokes all crowded around. No, it's, it's, it's just silly. stupid. Yeah. For something like a for something like a fifty seven medium howitzer, yeah. pack howitzer, shit like that, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But this, this is why I've yeah, honestly absolutely. always maintained that artillery on the scale of the the board that we're playing at is fucking silly. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. It does not and, yeah. make sense. As, for as that we've to discussed be on the board. before, bolt action is somewhat abstract when it comes down to it. I mean, yeah. games like Chain of Command, there's nothing bigger on the board than a light mortar. No uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, every a rifle hits the whole board. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You can, um, every, once you're on that board, you can shoot at anything. Your artillery is all off table. Your mortars, anything bigger than light mortar, is off table. You might have there are rules for me, uh, medium mortars. I'm pretty sure, um, and maybe like a 37 or something like that on the table. But anything bigger than that is all off board. Um, it's 
Are there vehicles in cock? Yeah, yep, yeah, there is. But you don't get to pick necessarily. No, well, you roll randomly and... To some extent. Depends yeah. on, on which format you're playing. Basically, you get support points. Um, from memory, I think you get anywhere up to 12 points. Then you have a list and everything is categorised into how many points it's worth anywhere between 1 and 12. And you spend your support points because you start off with a standard platoon. That's yeah, there's no list building about your platoon. You no, get a rifle you get platoon, a rifle and, platoon. It. and it, it is set up. So a British one is built around your Bren, gun, uh, Bren guns. So there's yep. none of this thing about, oh, no, we don't have any Brens in a rifle squad. And it's built split into the fire teams. Yep. Um, it's not a list building game. You're given the tools that you would have as a junior commander. And there's no, this costs three points. From what, and I, no grenade from what I hear about junior command, it's basically like uh, war as written in the rule book, as written in the, in the, in the army hand. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a much harder more of a game simulation. to master. Yeah. It's, um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I've, I've played a few I games like it. of it. Um, I like it. It's not a everyone turn out and have three games of it type thing. It's more of a narrative driven yeah, I know that Mike, Mike Parker runs yeah. these big Stalingrad-type games and Chain of yeah. Command works very well for that. I know at CanCon every year they run yeah. run uh, a themed game every oh, year. It, uh, it is not a forgiving game. If you, no. If you, if you fail about your squad tactics, you, yeah. you the, get the last, in last game I played. you see in bolt action. Like, the last game enough. I played, I pushed a DAC platoon against some um, French um, in the desert and trying to get across open ground without enough covering fire just... I got minced. Um, but it's, again, it's much more of a simulation than bolt action. Uh, bolt action's like, ooh, what bells and whistles and toys can I play with? Um, chain of Command is a bit more okay. We will pick the bells and whistles yeah. that you play with, and they will not be very good. <laughs> well, I don't know. The uh, the grill in, uh, in Chain of Command a couple of months ago had a big game. Put the grill on the table. We didn't realise how good Did it was. Did you lose it to a light mortar? No, I got taken out by a tank in the end, but it got copped a lot of flack but it was deleting squads i mean Lovely. the heavy howitzer is hugely powerful well yeah so it should be yeah so i mean it, it, it's much more like i said much more of a simulation not as abstract and you don't get as many bells and whistles as you do in bolt action so yeah. and it's not a quick game it's not a game that has six turns and that's it um it goes until the game ends or the scenario ends sure sure so, so you, you can come back from quite a bad position if you've been holding back and, yep, and using the right tactics and keeping your reserves yep. ready ready to go. But it's yeah, it's not forgiving, it's not cinematic in the way that, that bolt action is. Yeah, it's, I mean bolt action yeah. is Hollywood the game and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a perfect way to describe bolt action is Hollywood, chain of command is training manual. Fair enough. I'll oh, we'll give it a crack sometime. I think yeah. Gar and I are talking yeah, about. I've, I've a got a copy of the session. rules. Um, yeah, same. The, yeah, uh, if you've got if you've got an army that works for bolt action, unless it's a real outlier, weird shit. Generally thing, speaking, you have an pretty army for right. chain of command, so the armies oh, well, double up. Maybe uh, post Christmas. Yeah, yeah, we'll tear up a game. Yeah, yeah. game. Um, but yeah, getting back to it. Uh, so with bear, um, two wins, lost draw. So any yeah. uh, any memorable moments? Um, well, the one I touched on with uh, with with Aaron um, trying Cattle. to trying to run off the off the board was was really, literally a mistake about not having guys standing in the middle yeah. of the road that you can't drive. Yeah, block past. the roads, man. This is, <laughs> yeah. Which is which which is again as we were touching on the cinematic versus the simulation. 
you don't stand in the middle of the road and block it with your body. Yeah. Um, so the you drive the over yeah. Yeah. Um, But the way that the rules mechanics in bolt action go, that would have made the most sense because yeah. there's not enough room to maneuver around it. So they have to stop there. Um, the more realistic one is, yeah, you stand in the hedges and shoot the... Yeah, get them in a crossfire comes, and... Comes yeah, or you past. set up a machine gun in the middle of the road. Blaze away. Just, yeah. yeah, just, just yeah. hose them down as they come. Um, so, I mean, all, 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 all credit where it's, where it's due. Um, he probably was in a worse position than I was from the uh, deployment and the tools that we all had. And uh, he sort of lured me into being overconfident and then got around the back yeah. really quickly. So it was, so it was a clever tactic. I, th- I found that in my second game, um, which was, I think, Heartbreak Ridge... Um, because I had trucks, I, nobody, I, nobody I played all, all weekend had trucks. Nobody had transports. Yeah. And because I had those transports, I was able to load two squads in each transport and turn one, put them exactly where I wanted them to go. I'd sort of drive up, hose down a couple of squads, next dice, guys jump out, next dice, guys. And then all of a sudden, turn two, I'm assaulting blokes off the board. Yeah. Because and nobody took large that, squads. Yeah. And it's also that question about um, the victory conditions there. So... Um, each, if I remember correctly anyway, each unit that you get off the board yeah. is a point. So if yep. you have three units in a truck, that's four units. Oh, yeah, no, that, it's gravy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Whereas trying it. to kill infantry squads down to the last man is actually yeah. really yeah. quite hard. Yeah, um, it is, it is. And that's it. Like, um, if yeah, it, it, it definitely favours, envelopment definitely favours uh, the attacker if the attacker can deploy appropriately. But again... Because we were playing on a, a three by three instead of a um, sorry a four by four instead of a six by four, it condenses your kill zones down exponentially, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like you just had to be careful and set up nice little corridors and make sure. I mean, the other thing is the attacker has got to spend the first two or three two or three turns running. If they don't run the first two or three turns, they're not going to win that game. Mm. If they don't have transports, they're not going to really win that yeah. game. It it really just that game just turned into an inconclusive firefight that. Um, I was certainly winning, but when those squads get down to two men and become small targets... Yeah, and then they go down. They go down, and, you've got a and you of just pins. can't erase yeah, them. exactly right. Um, so even though they're essentially neutralised from doing anything uh, aggressive, you can't, as the defender, claim the point for killing them yeah. until you're yeah. then you also flat. You then also can't take your eye off them because all of a sudden if they rally and start running again, yeah. well, then you, you know, you're back to square one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that's always a I tend an, to find an issue with with the mechanics about how small squads work. I tend to find that in that game, um, if you're if you're defending and the attacker spends the first two or three moves like, oh, move six and shoot, move six and shoot. Like, I got this in the bag. Mm. I'll go down. I'll go down. I'll go down. As long as I'm not near a road, you've got any vehicles? Mm. No worries. I'll, just, I will literally just hold out. And then wait for you to get, you know, relatively close to me, and then make sure that by the time you you're trying to get off the board, I'm making it as difficult as possible. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, look, really, if if that would have been a very different game if I'd had a towed artillery piece, because I would have just put yeah. that in the road and Leave it you can't drive through it, you can't get off the road. Yeah, but then you may have ended up playing, you know, one of the loose units that bought a tank, and then all of a sudden that got, that, I mean, just run, yeah, yeah run order, run order, it's going. Running straight towards down the road towards an AT gun lined up to oh, shoot. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, straight, yeah, straight, yeah, firing, true. straight down the road. Um, 
<coughs> yeah, so I mean, if I was smarter, I probably should have put the tank on the road and just going, you're not coming through here. Word, yeah. Yeah. But I, he, he had a, a tank as well, and I was sort of trying to line that up. I learned that bazookas are actually pretty shit. Um, no, they're great. They just don't have the punch that a Panzer Shrek does. Mm. But they're cheap. It's yeah, like this. but you've, you've got to be able to get them into position. So 20, I need to have a Jeep. Yeah, 24 inch, no, 24 inch range. The idea is that you don't go to your target, you wait for your target to come to you. Mm. You deploy them somewhere sneaky so that they can't be shot off the board or anything like that. And then at the last minute, they pop out from around a corner, uh, maybe needing a four or a five. Yeah, I mean, look, putting it in a Jeep, yeah, okay, that's, that's all right. But You want to um, get yourself a bazooka Jeep? I do. I have a Jeep. I'm thinking about making it into even better. A Jeep. Go full bazooka Charlie and put it in a spotter plane. Yeah, I like <laughs> and they it. They did that. There was one guy yeah. that was famed. And he yeah. had six or seven tank kills from yeah. a spotter plane armed with bazookas yeah, strapped yeah, three, on the wings. Three under each wing. Yeah, yeah. Bazooka um, Charlie. I do actually have some bazookas if you need them. Okay, cool. I've got a heap of plastic ones. Uh, yeah. yeah, let me know. Cool. Um, yeah, it was a good day. We went to Mr. Cracker for lunch, so that was lovely. It was all roast pork and this that. And the other thing, I, I, I had the bogan. I, um, I did too. Yeah, I think we both really had a bogan. Us, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a couple of bogans rolling over some roast yeah. pork. Um, I actually spent a lot of time leading up to that event um, knocking out a display board. Uh, so mine was the uh, LRDG headquarters. Mm. Um, I was really happy with the way that came out. It looked and good. Luckily, uh, because I maybe put the effort in the painting desk, I managed to snag a best painter for that. Yeah, uh, you got. Both, you bastard. Oh, I do. I remember <laughs> was it when you showed up, you kind of looked at it and thought, oh, well, that's me yeah, done. Right, yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I have to say, I, w- I, was, I was pushed for time. I was pushing myself very Yeah, well, no, you had a European tour done. coming up, man. It's, yeah, it's all... Had, well, we were recording the album at that time as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk about Sudlich in a minute, but one thing, uh, uh, touching on that, um, Rubes and I, uh, I set my army up on the table the night before and you got some photos of it because I hadn't actually had a chance to get some photos of my army properly. And um, I think you and I were having a conversation. There were these two local lads who come up from Hobart and they walked past and saw my army and I heard them as they walked off. One guy said to the other one, he's just like, well, you're not winning best painted. <laughs> and I was a bit sort of like, oh, that, well, cheers. That's, you know, get myself a little feathers on a rough. Nice little bit of fellation. Yeah, it was. It was, it was I, I, felt very, I felt very proud. I was just like, oh, cheers, boys. Um, but yeah, no, look, Bear was a fantastic event. Um, you know, big up to Lee Avery for running a, another, uh, another great event. Um, I think Lee is going to run one of the VBAL events next year. So we're going to mm-hmm. run four of those. Two of them at House of War and two of them at the Auburn Bowls Club. Um, I have no idea if um, Brad is going to run an event. Um, no clue. I, I, I don't know what Brad's up to. I hope he runs an event because I like it when people, other people run events because yeah. it means I don't have to run them. It's very, <laughs> very relaxing. I like it when you run it because then I get a shot at best painted. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I enter an army. <laughs> Unless I convince someone to play with one of my armies and then uh... – no, you're, you're like my – I mean, you're, you're kind of like my gold standard. You're, you're who I sort of come out to beat or try and beat. Fucking – I still can't believe you did me over it. Um... <laughs> Horses, man. Yeah. Uh, fucking spotty – Badgicon last year. Badgicon. I very nearly dropped the C bomb there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Badgicon, I did duck up to Badgicon this year. Oh, yeah. You did? How was that? I did. Yeah. Um, we couldn't go. I think I was in Bali. Yeah. My... Oh, yeah. Rob got yeah. married. That's yes. what we did. You're yes. Rob for got married. Yeah. For Rob's wedding. Rob. Love you. Congratulations. I was, I was doing something else. I can't think. Of oh, uh, shit. Hang on. Sorry. 
Bali, Rob got married. Garrett and I went scuba diving. We scuba dived. I shit you not on an American transport ship that was sunk by the Japanese in World War Two. Oh wow! I fucking scuba dived. You didn't dived tell that me about shit. that. You never oh, mentioned it. Oh my fucking were, were, god! Were you, you attacked by that. piranhas? No, it was flying fish piranhas. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. We um, and literally, um, yeah, it was myself, Garrett, and an instructor. It was just the three of us. Walked into the surf off a of pebble beach. Um, Went under and then we swam out and literally this thing just appeared out of the murk and it was it was fucking incredible. Um, unfortunately, all the good shit, i.e. the the, um, the 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 gun that they had for defense was on the deep end and we weren't. I don't think we were uh, qualified to go that deep. I think it was below twenty meters. But yeah, we did like scuba diving wow. in two days. It was just incredible. Well, I'm surprised that it's still there because an, an enormous number of those ships um, scrap. Uh, for scrap and it's not really just for for any old scrap the reason they're so valuable is um any steel uh cast before 1945 has no radioactive um element to it oh but there's been so much um atmospheric uh isotopic pollution now that a piece of steel that we make now is not radioactively inert enough to Make a Geiger counter or a um, well, wow. uh, I did not know that. No, me neither. Think because we're saturated with shit from yeah. Chernobyl and from all the well. whatever. So for um, medical instrument um, construction, they need all of this backlog of old school steel. I think. Wow. I think the reason that this one hasn't been picked apart is the tourism dollars. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people dive this wreck. It's a really cool oh, wreck. But there, there yeah. is a problem in in Indonesia about um, the divers will come back after a few weeks and go, "Where did that ship go?" Yeah, and yeah, uh, been... some unscrupulous prick has literally come up with a dredging claw. Wow, uh, picked it up off a barge and they just dump all the bones off the yeah, off which the is side. pretty disrespectful. That's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, Rob got married. Bali, great wedding, fantastic. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I forgot that happened. That's incredible. Yeah, well, you never mentioned that you went diving off an old World War Two wreck. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> I was over there for like ten days, and a lot of shit happened. Like that was that was right at the start of the trip. Um, no, we had a rare old time. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll, one story quickly. Garrett, my wife, and I went out for dinner. At the end of the dinner, we all stood up and like Nick and I said, "Well, we're going to walk back to the hotel, you know, covered in sweat, which is a it's a bit of a weird thing in June." Um, and Garrett said, no worries, I'm going to go and literally get a back massage because I'm like really, really tight, you know, being on a plane and everything. No worries, all good. I was caught up on the next day. I said, oh, how was your massage? He's like, I'll fuck, I'll tell you about this. He's gone to me. I went into, I went to the front desk of the restaurant that we were staying at and asked him where to get a massage. They said, just down there, 30 meters, blue sign, walk in there. He walked in there and said, I want to get a massage. And the woman said, yep, no worries, come on in. All good, all good. She shot him into this back room. This is where it gets really bad. Stole his kidneys. <laughs> so, Wakes so, up on the ice. Chased so, him down an alley with Lockie. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it didn't take long, did it? Um, even though he's not here. <laughs> so, yeah, Garrett gets shuttled, shuttled into this room and he's like, what the fuck is going on? She comes back with a little bag and she says, here, put these on before the massage. It was a pair of... Um, it was like... Uh, that you know that you know that plastic vinyl plastic that you get like and you they can make it they can make it into clothing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was a pair of underpants made of that stuff. So it was like clear. I have oh. no idea. Like, what's the point? Like, it's just see-through underpants. Okay, so Garrett's like, all right, 
Okay, I'm in Bali. I'll, 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 I'll toe the line here. He then turned around and started taking his clothes off and he reckons like two cockroaches walked by him like on the floor and he was just like, nope, straw, camelback, no, nope, fucking out of here. And he literally just walked out and she was like running down the street pleading with him to come back and he's like, nah, it's disgusting. That story nah. didn't have a happy ending. No, well, <laughs> I see what you did there. Then, nah, well, <laughs> the funny thing was that as, as Nikki and I left the restaurant, uh, Garrett said, I'm going to get a massage and Nikki gave me this look and I'm like, nah, he's, he's not like that. He's just going to get... The next day, I caught up with him. I said, "How was the massage?" He's like, "Yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, she's you know worked the muscles." I said, "Yeah, yeah, work the muscle, work the muscle." He's like, "Okay, don't be a fuckwit. It didn't happen." I said, "Yeah, sure, 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 sure." Ten days, ten days straight. Hey, and there's another thing, Garrett. If you're listening, you cheesy fuck, Garrett booked his room and booked it without the breakfast. Now all the rest of us booked it with breakfast included because it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Every, just ate yours every fucking morning <laughs> every fucking morning he strolled into the fucking buffet Smart. picked up a couple of fucking croissants made himself a cup of tea and sat down and nobody fucking and I think it has everything to do with confidence he walked in there like he deserved to be there and then just picked <laughs> bacon, eggs the whole bit didn't pay for breakfast fucking once so Garrett wow. I hope you enjoyed your breakfast on me hats off to you Garrett alright we're going to hit a break when we get back we're going to have a chat about Sudlich I mean, and so then, talk about Badgecon when we get back yeah we'll have a quick chat about Badgecon yeah. Sudlich Let's... and uh, Cam Corn. Sweet. All right, see you soon. Battlefield Accessories are a Melbourne-based company specializing in laser-cut buildings and general terrain. The range is extensive and is built around various game systems. They also offer a range of hobby support options such as paint racks, figure stands and of course the light halo. They also offer a new hex-based terrain system that takes flexible terrain to a whole new level. So give Mike and Lange a call and let them look after all your terrain needs. Or check out the website at www.battlefieldaccessories.com.au Welcome back. Uh, it was a nice quick little break. Um, it was. It's getting a bit late, so we're going to hit the ground punch rolling. On. Yeah, well, yeah. punch on. Um, so, yeah, BadgerCon. Um, so, we bad- all made the trip up last year. We couldn't do it this year because we had shit on. Yeah. Uh, JL was recording an, uh, an album to scream at people. I was off in Bali, so Rubes made the trip yeah, by himself. Yeah, yep, I'm, I'm from up that way, so lucky me. I had accommodation for the night at my parents' place. Lovely. Um, unfortunately, this year, didn't get the numbers. No, um, it folded a little bit. So... Um, uh, just been handed a CD by uh, Sneaky Cheese. Is this you, Sneaky Cheese? It is. Yeah, bloody fantastic. Very, oh, very nice. Is. I've been on, well on a quick side note. I have been uh, listening to some of your stuff on uh, YouTube. So, yeah, um, I listened to it as well. It rearranged most of my organs. <laughs> It'll do that. <laughs> it fucking did that. Bad. Some well, good one stuff. of those songs is about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, like, like I, I, um, in my formative years, I hung out with uh, you know some of the guys from uh, like Vale of Anguish and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, I got yeah. into the black metal scene in a big way. Um, you know, Satyricon and mm. um, uh, Deicide and shit like that. Uh, I kind of evolved past it and then this is like a bit of a callback to it and now it, mm. 
Uh, yeah, I listened to it. I was like, holy crap, that's no, heavy. It, it just occurred to me because these are promo um, copies. You know what we're listening to on the drive home? So definitely would listen to this. <laughs> Sneaky G screaming at us on the way. Home. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, we you just have three have hours of it and now he's still doing it. <laughs> it's the drive European home. experience. <laughs> one to take away. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, BadgerCon, um, so Gus puts on a, Gus Epnick puts on a, an event every year. Um, unfortunately, didn't get the numbers this year, which is a shame because it's such a great setting. It is. Um, um, and it's, it's a good pub as well. Yeah, oh, great feed. Um, yeah, yeah. So he basically threw it open t- for an open floor and open tables to any uh, bolt action players, which is great. Um, I, I think a, we'll try and make the trip up next year. It, yeah, it, I it's think a good so, event. It's I a get that good same Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. It is a good it? relaxing weekend. Um, so I played one of the local boys um, up there. It was just a casual game. Yep. Um, I ran my DAC list, got my ass handed to me, but I did get a forward, first time I took a forward observer and it paid off. I actually oh, really? got a nice, I had Rommel as my forward observer up in the oh, church nice. tower. Yeah. <laughs> um, managed Leading to get that from off. the front? Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just couldn't hold back the Falsham Jaeger I was, I was facing. Um, but other than that, there was a few other little games. Uh, Rob Deacon made the trip up. He had a uh, Robbie Deacon always makes the trip. He, he's a, he had he's a solid a, sort. Yeah, he had a tank wars game with his young fella, yep. which was kind of fun to see. Um, I think I were running. He was running a few tigers and I think even a mouse. Um, oh hello! Just a whole bunch of against a whole bunch of allied stuff, which I I kind of popped around to have a bit of a look at. And uh, Thorvald from Geelong yep. uh, made the trip up as well. Yeah, I, solid dude. Solid yeah, dude. He, I think he jumped on the table after I finished because we only really had two tables set up. But, um, sure. That so, Japanese army he's been working No, he brought up his um, Falschermjäger as well, I think. So, yeah, he's still working on FJ that stuff. Yeah, yep. But he's, um, yeah, his Japanese army's coming along. Uh, I believe he's going to be taking them out two, to two, Jap- two Japanese players coming to uh, all, Festive Front. All quiet on the Festive Front. I th- yeah. Might even be a... Th- Third, depending on what uh, Mr. Deacon takes. Oh, of course, yep. It could um, be Chinese, could be Japanese. Yep, could be either. Um, or it could, could be, be Sikhs with his yep. uh, damned Ford artillery observers. Yep, yep, there's um, that as well. So, yeah, so I encourage you all next year to uh, keep an eye out for BadgerCon. Usually yeah, we'll definitely do that. I'll try and get uh, Garrett and Rob Russell up and maybe we'll do like a big road trip up there, take a couple of cars. Yeah. Great weekend. Um, I mean, the, the, said, fr- the, the Friday night was good for us. It was like yeah. steaks and... Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I, I just really hope that... Um, this this year's been hard because I've done a lot of travelling for work and a lot of travelling for the band. You've been yeah. Um, I was going to try and calculate how many miles... Because as soon as I came back from Europe, I had to go to New Zealand. Yep. Um, I've just kind of had enough of... No, work, work again. Work? Yeah. And um, you did mention you've got a trip to the US coming up. Yeah, soon, yeah, yeah, in uh, in January. So um, because all, all of the accounts I look after are WA and Queensland, um, it's not an easy thing to go and yeah. visit them. So t- typically if I go – or and New Zealand. So typically if yeah. I go away, I'm away for nearly a week yeah. at a stretch. Um, and that with being away for with the band for a month um, – Probably about it. Uh, oh no, I was in New Zealand again at the beginning of the year, and America. Then, so I, I've been everywhere this year. So. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So it would be it would be cool to actually do some travelling for fun. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. 
So, yeah, speaking of travelling, uh, Tristan and Hari and I made a trip down south. We went overseas. Yeah. We went overseas. Whole, we went to another country We as went well. to another country. They, uh, <laughs> they are different down there. You, you, you went uh, one hour in distance. And, Less uh, than that. 20, years, <laughs> 20 or 30 years All back right. in time. Allow yeah. me to allow, I'll, I'll land paint, time for I'll God. paint you a picture. So I, I had a hurry crash on my couch. We woke up. Rubes came over. Yep. I cooked us pancakes. Good pancakes. Yeah, with bacon as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And with, maple syrup. And maple syrup. Oh, yeah. So you missed out on a good breakfast there, Sneaky Cheese. So um, went to the airport and I was absolutely fucking thrilled. Someone was like a, a joyous five-year-old. They put us on a fucking twin prop. <laughs> it was amazing. And we walked out of the tarmac. I pulled the phone out for a selfie and then nearly got spear tackled by a security guy who said I wasn't allowed to take photos We did the get the selfie though. I got the selfie. Actually, no, I think I took it. No, it's me. It? It's, it's, it's on my phone. I've, I think I put it up on Facebook. Yeah, we put it up on Facebook. So please. I ended up sitting next to a guy whose brother was a, a, a World War II naval veteran who was really interesting to talk to. Um, we flew down to uh, Launceston. Launceston. We flew the Launceston Airport. It's basically a paddock. Yeah, I'm going to uh, Launceston to see Leibach uh, yeah. in, in January. So I'll, I'll get a chance to look at that. We it's, could see sheep as we landed. Yeah. yeah. You literally get out. It's, it's surrounded by mountains. It's really beautiful. But you yeah. walk out and it's literally like, it's a fucking paddock. Well, the, the one time in, in recent uh, years that I've been on a twin prop was flying from Hamilton to Wellington, which is a really cool flight because you fly over Mount Doom. As as yeah. you, as you go, but um, throw the wall ring in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Land, landing in Wellington is terrifying at the best of times because you're essentially flying into the sea in the teeth of a forty knot gale, or yeah. dodging um, sheep. Yeah, uh, but doing that in a twin prop. Um, oh yeah, and the bar was closed at Hamilton Airport, so we, we couldn't even have a have the a drink before we, before Sneaky we went. couldn't even fill up his foam dome. No. We when we were landing, like you can actually look out the window and see the wheel standing right next to you. Like it was oh, epic. Oh fucking hope that thing we holds did, up. We did have a uh, every ten minutes. It was a check in to make sure the props were still spinning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, every time it's like, hurry, they're still going. Uh, yep, they're still going. <laughs> So um, we flew into um, flew into Lonnie. Uh, Dennis picked us up, so uh, mm-hmm. it was great to see Dennis. Yeah, I fucking love hanging out with that guy. Top bloke, um, absolute top bloke. Threw us into the car and then took us at top speed um, to Devonport. Yep. Um, so we had uh, oh god, what was the gorge that we went to see? We had a chairlift oh, ride. It was the longest I... chairlift in the Southern Hemisphere or something. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I've... it's gorgeous. It's it's absolutely amazing. gorgeous. The gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Gorge, much as gorge. There you go. Um, a ravishing uh, ravine. Yes, it was a ravishing ravine. It was amazing. Uh, it was so much fun. And then we um, we got to um, a comely cabin. The <laughs> canyon. Um, we uh, a gross grotto. <laughs> we are back, folks. We right, are back. Yeah, we are definitely back. Low quality this content. Just keep low going on. Yeah. Low balling every chance we get. So. Um, yeah, we then went and set some tables up. Uh, After you rocked the uh, bridge, yeah, no, that says I did. do not rock. Yeah, there's a massive, there's a massive oh, um, spam bridge. I've got a picture with the, the sign saying "Do not rock" and just yeah, yeah. Just, just, just throwing the horns up. Um, yeah, so I got into the middle of the bridge, waited for the uh, I think the Chinese tourists to get off of it, and then started jumping up and down like an idiot. And Hari had a bit of a fucking meltdown. But it was, we got him off there. Um, so yeah, we. Um, 
Yeah, we got uh, got into Devonport, uh, went and helped set the tables up. Then mm-hmm. Dennis took us back to the place we were staying with the world's clearest skylight. <laughs> <laughs> so we get into this house. It's the, Dennis's, the, house. Dennis's house. Yeah. And he, he remarked it was awfully cold, yet he'd He's run like, the, it's weird. I mean, I've had, I've had the, the heater, heater running all day. All day and it should be nice really and chilly. Warm. I stood there for about five minutes. In the, middle, in the middle of the land room. Basically stood there in, yeah, in the middle of the land room looking up at this skylight thing and that is the clearest it's skylight the, I've amazing. ever seen. It's, no it's amazing. I can see stars up there. I yeah. can, this is great. And then we started feeling a draft and it's, Dennis yeah. says, what are you looking at? I said, that's a really clear skylight. And he's looking at it going... <laughs> Which really? it shouldn't be. Oh. oh. <laughs> Turns out the wind had picked the skylight off and thrown it on the roof and smashed it. Um, we jumped up. I, I jumped up into the under the roof cavity, pulled it kind of back over. Uh, luckily, Dennis's dad yeah. is part of the SES, SES so they, they, went came and, they came out and fixed it up. But um, <laughs> the hospitality. At that point when you recognise, it doesn't usually rain inside. Yeah. Well, luckily, <laughs> it, like, it, really it, was, it didn't that really point. rain when we were down there. We had there. a little bit of later oh, in the night, I yeah, think, but nothing major. Bit. Nah. Uh, so, nothing at that time. So yeah, we um, the, the the red carpet was definitely rolled out. The yeah. food was amazing. Went to a couple we of to. great pubs for oh. for meals that were just spot on. And the event, oh, incredible. what can I say? Oh. Terrain. terrain, terrain, terrain. Oh, I need clean jocks just thinking of it. It's it it kind of puts every other event that we've ever been to to shame. Yeah, in the, the just the the quality of the terrain that those guys put on. I got every single table. Like you go to an event, chances are there's going to be like two or three tables that just, just top notch. Off. Yeah. Every fucking every table. single table. I got home looked just at, like walking around going, oh. Yeah, I got home and looked at my terrain collection and started for shame. Yeah. <laughs> you know, screaming at the terrain yeah. now. The yeah, bad mindset is. <laughs> how many tables were they running? Uh, I think there was at least uh, fifteen, fifteen or sixteen oh, okay. tables. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it wasn't like yeah. there was like eight tables running. There was a big event. Yeah, it was like, yeah I think right. it was twenty-four okay. players and players from all over. Um, Tasmania and then Because my, my, my thinking about where you, where you were going with that is that, you know, we tend to, um, because of people's, you know, perfectly legitimate thing about, no, no, I don't want um, my terrain getting mixed up with someone else's and it gets put away in a tub from mm. someone else. As you say, that you get five or six absolutely schmick tables because they're the people that have built that one up yeah and then there's the filler tables that are club terrain or just yeah odds odds and ends yeah you know um i i would every for everyone that's listening build a table it's it's a fun experience it's yeah yeah you know i understand if you know if you you push for space okay oh well um, hang on harking back that's another part of my hobby that i've been doing i built a crash glider yes for a table so yeah, it's a lot of fun to do. Just yeah. Yeah, like have a and think about a table. And you don't have to start big. If you want to start in terrain, pick up some scatter terrain. Scatter terrain is great. Work yeah. on your scatter terrain at first. Um, yeah. Small little easy projects to get yeah. you experienced and build up from there. Yeah. Work your and way just up. Put to your building. initials on the bottom of it. So yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. At but the end of that tournament, if someone's going, oh, where does this go? Everything that's got. It's got your a, initials yep. on it goes in the tub exactly. with your initials on it and you sweat. I mean, speaking of scatter train, even the scatter train on this t- these tables were great. I walked away. Yeah. I took so many photos. I think that's how you took, took so many bits of scatter terrain. <laughs> oh, no, I wish. <laughs> filling your pockets. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, even little bits of scatter terrain just, were just clever ideas like for down telegraph poles and things like that. Every, oh, it, yeah, there's, there, there's another funny thing that happened on the way. We get to Melbourne Airport on our way out. We put our armies through the scanner. My army, being DAC, is almost entirely made of metal. 
Not an issue. Yep. They S- someone through. follows through with mostly plastic, plastic. and resin. Uh, yeah, what's in this? Uh, what's in the bag? And then tried to open the bag in a way that everything would have fallen out. And I was literally like trying to yell at him, please, just was, tilt it up. It was, it was it the, up. The, the woman and then the guy came over and said, yeah, no, that's no, fine. They're he, fine, they're fine. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But, oh, I had a meltdown. <laughs> I was like, if she opens that bag that way, everything's coming out and I will Like the I'll time I dropped my army on the road. Oh, no. Yeah, on the yeah. corner in the middle of Melbourne. Yeah. Ugh. But on, so, anyway, on the, the topic of terrain, we, we were looking through that book that I found in our local library yep. downstairs. Um, in terms of I- ideas and stuff, there, there are specific uh, titles about building war games terrain, mm. but look at model railway stuff. Yeah, those a lot guys of good are insane. Ideas. Find yeah. A lot of good ideas. In, in your, your library, it, there's every chance that hit they may eBay, have a couple of books. Like, things like trees and stuff like that, hit eBay. Oh, eBay yeah. is, a, yeah. is, is, yep. is fantastic. But, you know... 12 trees for seven bucks from yep. China. Free shipping. It. Yeah, I've got I, I, I bought trees by there. the kilo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, I still have heaps left and I built do you? so many trees for Maybe that Maybe we can time. do a deal. Yeah. I, I, need some, I need some trees. I need okay, more trees. Yeah, I, I've literally got heaps and heaps of them. Sweet. So, yeah, we went down there, uh, three games. Yeah. Uh, what was it 12.50? No, 1,000 points. 1,000 point list, yep. Uh, what did you have? I had my DAC, um, again, running my grill. I love that thing. Uh, a pack, uh, machine gun team, um, medium mortar, I think from memory, and a couple of squads. Um, I'm just trying to think, actually. Come to think of it, I've got it on my iPad. You got it on your iPad? I do. I, do you um, want to run through yours while I find mine? Oh, uh, you've really put me on the spot here now. You're <laughs> no pressure, A-hole. Tristan. Yeah, no I know. I'm actually I'm trying to find my list at the moment. JL, do you have any questions? Oh God. I sent it through to I sent it through to Russ. I'm just trying to bring my list up now. Basically I took a an LRDG British armor platoon. So it was a lot of vehicles. Um, ah, found it. Here we go. Okay, so uh, it was 14 dice for 1,000 points. So um, entry number one was the LRDG arm truck at regular. So it's got the forward-facing medium machine gun, a rear-facing light anti-tank gun, and a Pintel MMG. So three weapon systems. Uh, you can normally get two of them running, maybe a third if you're lucky. Uh, so I had another one of those uh, that is just exactly the same. I had another LRDG arm truck that had the auto cannon uh, with the two machine guns. I had two SAS Jeeps. Um, and then I was running, uh, was it four, five, six, seven man SAS infantry squad. So that was the SIG. I basically took a look at and, uh, and, um, the SIG. And that was uh, five submachine guns, two uh, rifles. Uh, took two squads of commandos. So that was, uh, yeah, four rifles, three submachine guns, and an NCO with a submachine gun. Uh, the free observer, light mortar, boys anti-tank rifle, and I took three trucks with MMGs. So it's a lot of mobility. It's a lot of firepower. And um, people generally have a hard time dealing with, with just everything can kind of hurt you. It's not like you just have these transports that go and drop their guys on and go and have to hide around a corner. It's everything can kind of put fire out and put pins. And that's what I, I play the ping game. And do they, do they count as transport vehicles in the sense that if um, at the end of the turn you've got someone closer to yes. them, they die? Yes, they absolutely. Okay. The LRDG trucks do not, but the, just the truck with the machine oh, yeah, gun yeah. does. So the LRDG, mm. but they, they don't have a troop. No, there's no transport. It yeah. seems like yeah. the only thing that, that I can think of that has 
Um, um, Transport and a weapon is a stummel. Yeah, exactly. That's the only and one even I that's can like, think it's of. It's ahistorical. It's not a. Yeah, it's that's, it's a. Yeah. It's, it's a. It's, it's, yeah. it's a not. It was it's never not used correct, that way. And they haven't seen fit to um no. to FAQ it. Yeah, which is what they should have done, but they don't. Yeah, so I've found my list. So I was running a first lieutenant uh, regular. In fact, I think most of my army was regular except for my medium machine gun team and my pioneer squad, which were veterans. Pioneers uh, with a bunch of submachine guns and a flamethrower. Uh, three shoots and squads out of the Western Desert book. Um, although I did kind of screw up, I mispacked my army. I need to get down there and realise I don't have enough machine guns. So the one <laughs> squad that had two machine guns was running one um, so that I could fill a gap in one of my other squads. I've since bought another blister pack of uh, Artisan uh, DAC with machine guns and another one with um, rifles and SMGs to fill some gaps. Uh what else do I have? Uh, medium mortar team, regular 50 millimeter pack 38, um, a triple two, triple two, triple two, and my grill, grill um, cheese. Which so the Sig 33 Panzer Kampfwagen zwei out of the Western the Desert. Yeah, it's uh, Armour Seven open tops. Yep, and with a crew carried MMG, which I have cool. never used. So it's either shoot the cannon or shoot Actually, the. Actually, no, I tell a lie. I did use it against my first game against Hari. Because his uh, sneaky fins that come on from wherever tried to come in from the rear of my uh, oh yeah Sig, right. so I opened up on him with the machine gun and a two five uh, two fifty uh, slash one for transporting my pioneers around. So that was I would have gone an opal blitz, but that's just me. Yeah, I just like the thematic of the armored transport uh, with the machine gun I'm backing up the. I'm hearing you. I'm pioneers. absolutely hearing you. Um, so for a thousand points for three games, um, I'll run through my games very quickly. Uh, the first games were historical matchups. So I fought a um, a DAC list in the desert, which was great. I don't know what uh, it's. Uh, I think my opponent. I don't think he capitulated, but we went all like it was. It was a. It was. It was a hard fought game, but ultimately I pulled a win there. I then played Jim Gandy. Um, who was a Tasmanian regular. Uh, I played his Germans, uh, just Panzer Grenadiers, and I played them on like a, it was almost like an Arnhem, kind of lots of roads. Mm. So roads very favour my list quite heavily. Um, I was able to pull out a very narrow win there. Uh, Jim actually gave me a lot of, a lot of uh, a bit of a hard time uh, in regards to getting that win out of him, um, but it managed to sneak it in in the end. Uh, my last game, I don't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, I'm very, very sorry. But that was another one where we were playing in the desert and he was actually playing your guys, the Panzer Grenade. Uh, ah, oh, yeah. right. Oh, so, but he no, was playing how did that go? All right, so I'll tell you how this went. It didn't go well for him. I set, basically set up a gun line and it was one of those things I had to get within, is it within six inches to identify or 12? Oh, oh no, sorry. So th- this, was, this was, wasn't the army that... I painted that was the... No, 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 no. No, no it was the same sorry. army. Yeah, yeah, so, so this is the Panzer Grenade Yeah, sorry, I, I, yeah. I, thought you were, you were, yeah. I thought you were saying the the guy that I painted that um, the Panzer SS. Recon No, I wish. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been, nice been a fun match to been watch. Yeah. That would have been good. Um, no, this guy was playing the... It was Americans dressed as... Uh, yeah, Panzer, uh, Germans dressed Panzer as Brigade Americans. 150, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to get within, I think, 12 inches to identify... So I basically—it's it's a hard army to play. It really, well, it really is. Um, it was a lot of infantry. There were no vehicles. There was very few support options. And basically, what happened is he knew that if he attacked me, then the game was up. 
So I created a gun line and then put all of my shit either on ambush or down. And then the very last dice I pulled, um, I ran an ATR up close to a squad. He was regular. I identified him on a four plus. I identified the whole army. And then at the end of the turn, all of my ambushes kind of, I tried to get them all off. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Yeah, yeah. Then turn two, everything was up the road. I think he capitulated at the end of turn three when he only had a couple of units left on the board yeah. and I'd lost a single right, so rifle. So that, that is the, the original Sneaky Cheese army because it's a lot harder to play than it would look at yeah, first. Yeah, you think it's going to be great, but it's actually... You, yeah, it's, 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 it's not. And it, it's oh, got to be very careful, careful how you move. Yeah, for, you do. Yeah. We'll talk about this for, for a second because it's worth going through. Um, <clears throat> the Panzer Brigade 150 army, all rifles... So you don't get any allowance for SMGs in there. He's got, he had a couple of bars, I think. Mm, yeah, may, yeah. You, I think maybe you can take bars in there, but um, certainly there no might be, SMGs. There might be some, yeah, there might be. There might have been some sort of uh, entry yeah. in the Bastogne book yeah. that allowed him to do yeah. that. Yeah. Now, what what you get for that is, um, as you say, once the core of that army is identified, everyone's identified except, except for the Bra the Brandenburgers. Um, well, Bra Brandenburgers aren't technically part of that army you you have infiltration and i think demolition squads so they're three or four man squads which are um they're nowhere near as hardcore as the brandenburgers um but if they get identified only they get identified yeah so there's a certain sense in which you need to trip the ambushes or or uh do that stuff with your um lead infiltrator squads Rather than the the whole thing, like it it's it's a fiddly difficult army to play. It really is. Um, it's not like the the old days where it's like every Brandenburger squad is independent and you've identified one but mm. not another. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're taking these very expensive, very small, and very fragile um, squads, which you can use to to deploy forward, deploy and and do all sorts of sneaky cheese shit. Yeah. Up there, he he got. <clears throat> He didn't really make it past the halfway point of the board because I met him at the halfway point after I'd rumbled him and then it was just literally a pin factory. It was like, you know, by the, I think by the end of turn two, most of his stuff had three or four pins on it because of the amount of firepower that my list puts out. And then um, at the end of turn three, I'd lost a single rifleman um, and he'd lost most of his army and he capitulated. I don't usually go in for... Um, a lot of sneaky list construction stuff, but that one, yeah. you really have to, and it, it works better, I think, with two platoons because mm. you have one platoon that's not disguised, um, which can keep suppressing fire up on and put pressure on objectives and units because they, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, but they shield the, the sneaky units coming up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you really got to put a lot of thought into how you're doing that. You're paying um, a, typically a three-point premium, I think, on each unit for the, en for the enemy. It really is. Um, things and the, you're there's paying a above, lot of... A, an above veteran price for a regular rifleman and mm. it's... It's a it's a bonus that only comes into effect for maybe a turn or two, and then it's gone. Yeah. So you, you've got to look at things like um, force multipliers that uh, they don't necessarily look very good on paper, um, but they they can be very good. So your your things like um, uh, military police units. Yep. Um, so t normally your your German MP unit is inexperienced and cheap. In in an army like that where 
um, every little bit counts. Look at taking Field Jaeger Corps instead, which mm. are like hardcore military police. Mm. Yeah. Um, so in, in your non-disguised squad, for example, you can have a bunch of guys that are shirkers or green or whatever. The hardcore military police really keep them going. Yeah. But they give you an extra bonus to your reserve stuff coming on. Um, you get all of the debuff bonuses for uh, enemy reserves coming on. It, it It's more like playing a 6 edition 40k army where yeah. it's it's about debuffs against your your enemy than it, than it is about what you can actually do with it and stacking that shit on on top yeah. of each other. He um he got really unlucky <laughs> in that I was able to get my auto cannon gun truck I got everything firing and because you can split fire I got an auto cannon going on a flamethrower squad. I got a machine gun going on as LT. I've got another machine gun going on a squad that's up the road, and then I've got other stuff coming around to flank. And it's just, it was a hammer and anvil trick that Garrett taught me a long time ago, and it just worked perfectly. And like I said, I dropped a single rifleman. Um, I think by the end of turn three, and the guy was he was missing most of his army. What was left was just pinned to shit, and I was coming for him in a, in a big way, and it was he kind of just hung his head and I, 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 I kind of felt bad but it was also like I felt that he didn't deploy correctly um, he didn't use those um, he should I think he should have just ambushed a lot more he should have maybe aggressively come up the border like you know at me a lot but, but I mean woulda coulda shoulda uh, you know I mean I had I was basically I, I looked at what he had and how I've played you with that army before like I've played you I've played that army I've had you push that against and it's really difficult because you think mm. to yourself I need to identify you, but I also can't move up too soon because if I move up too soon, the, uh, the unit that identifies, it's just going to get shot off the table. I don't want to sacrifice a unit like that. It may not even, it may not even identify you. And then all of a sudden, it's going to dick in the wind. But it just sort of things kind of but came it, together. It's, 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 a, it's a finesse army. It's, it's not one that I would ever recommend to a, to a novice player. I don't know how much, I don't know if play. he was a novice. It was an interesting list um, and it was a beautifully painted army. But um, was, it, was it by any chance the? Oh no, that was that was Brad's one where where it had like combination bits of German and bits of that American. was Brad's yeah. army. That's Brad's yeah, one. No, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. So yeah, at the end of it, um, Rubes took home a nipple trophy. Yeah, yeah. So I had we all, my, we all went home with some silver. Yeah. Work. So my first game was against, and I'm, once again, I'm terrible with names, so I do apologise. Um, it was against a, I think it was a New Zealand force. Mm, I think the Kiwis. Or a Commonwealth force of some sort from sure. memory. Um, and I got chewed up. Um, it was a fairly open board. Um, I caused a bit of damage, copped a lot more in return. Uh, second game was against Hari. Um, oh, yes. A rematch. Yes. Um, that was quite an interesting game. That was. How'd you go against Captain Murder Wagon? So he. Captain Hate Boner. He beat me on that one by one objective, I think, from memory. Um, I didn't play very aggressively because he had a lot of fields of fire locked down. Sure. Um, I did smash his, his um, stug straight off the table as soon as it popped up. <laughs> um, we basically got to pick the table, and I picked one that had mountains in each corner. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, the I valley. Wanted, yeah. The, the valley, valley of death. Oh, I really wanted to to see what it was like having a mountain in opposite corners. So I took my side and the corner was on the left. I had my pack. I had a had my SIG, the grill, and I had a squad up there because I knew he'd be running his little sneaky boys up from behind. Um, and he 
wasn't paying attention and ran his stug straight out in front of my pack and one smoking stug later. Beautiful. Um, it was quite funny. Um, a lot of traded shots back and forth. Neither of us really pressed forward that much. Um, it's difficult on that board because of uh, – I remember coming over and looking at it at some stage and you had your SIG parked all the way in the back corner. And yeah. It did, it did have a good field of fire. That was that was something because I just wanted did, to try. Did, did you get photos of the, of the tables? I do. Yeah, there yeah, are photos. Should, um, anybody, put them up anybody who wants to go and look at them, if you go to the democratically elected, elected Republic of Players or DERP. Yeah, DERP, which is um, the uh, bolt action uh, Tasmania uh, kind of. I don't know. There is actually a, also a bolt action Tasmania, Tasmania page, page as well. But uh, if you go to the democratically, the democratically, um, yeah, the, the democratic uh, elected Republic Derp, of players. Cheers. I'm really tired. I'm really sorry. <laughs> if you go to the DERP page, uh, just um, give that a like. Um, all the photos of the boards are there, and they and look fantastic. Gorgeous. Look at them later. You're you're freak. And then got to my third game, and I was playing against uh, a veteran British force. And beast mode kind of got engaged. Oh, um, finally. I kind of saw... It's only taken four events. <laughs> I only I kind of saw red. Um, my oh. opponent was lovely, great bloke. We had fun. But uh, something clicked inside me and I went full kill on that um, to the point where we finished the game. I think I'd lost maybe three or four riflemen. And he yep. was left with a damaged Sherman on the table, and that was oh, it. Oh, I remember that, yeah. I yeah. just went full beast mode. The SIG was on point, hitting everything. Mortars were on point, yep. hitting everything. You um, can't account for that. I mean, it's if you have a game where you have a couple of indirect firing units, and all of a sudden it's like six, six, six. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm really sorry. It's, yeah, I, yeah I, and, so, I, I, and sometimes you just roll hate grease. All yeah, day. you do. Yeah. It just oozes <laughs> out of your fingernails. And uh, you go. The only downside on that... That particular mission is I forgot some of the secondaries and ignored my left flank when it was down to one or two units left on my right flank. Um, I could have got a couple extra points by getting to the enemy's deployment zone, but hey, I had fun. Um, I had some good rolls, um, and I think that's what got me the bronze nipple trophy. It was brought yeah, me up was my a, score up enough that the attrition, got, yeah, a, the kill, so I kill I death got, ratio. I got the I got the silver nipple. Yep, I got the bronze. Yeah, I don't know who got the the gold. But uh, um, we could, yeah. I'll bring it next we time. We almost yeah. got the a repeat of BadgerCon. <laughs> we do, we do. Yeah. Well, um, except this time thing, I was on the podium. <laughs> the, the funny thing was that um, I took three pretty convincing wins, and I thought, well, shit, that that's that's three wins, and that's mm. one of those wins I won with a perfect twenty. Another another one I took nineteen points, and I thought I probably I might be in with this. Like mm. I came equal second, fourth overall. Like it was yeah. really tough down there, oh, and, and it, it it happens all the time that that we'll be looking at the, you know, top end of turn of of the second game of a of a three game tournament, and you go, oh well, look, I've I've done pretty well on all my games, um, but you're still miles back from the yeah. winner because yeah. of the variable. See, there was uh, also conditions. Secondary the, objectives yeah. help a there lot. There was also two. I, different... I like that because we're we're not playing enough. Game if we if we were playing two days mm. yeah, yeah six games that's, that, that's yeah. too hard for everyone that's got work yeah. and family and all that shit Word. That we we do um, but it can just take one uh, game rolling hate grease the whole time yeah. and you're just well like, see that's that's why fuck. there was two different scoring systems in play uh, in Sudik so you had your points for winning for secondary objectives then you also had the kill death ratio. So your points were tallied up at the end, how many points you destroyed, how many you lost, and it 
was finalised out into a ratio. So there was the two different streams. So I was, I think, second last or third last, something like that. I was pretty close yeah. to the bottom as usual. But you'd um, husbanded all your forces really well. Yeah. And then in that last game, just went mental on the kills. So I got my kill-death ratio right up there. So... Um, so, yeah, so that was quite interesting. I quite enjoyed that. There was a, a second aspect to it because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm used to the wooden spoon and that sort of stuff. And next minute I'm getting called up for a, a, a bronze nipple trophy. Yeah, I, I wasn't was really, even paying oh, attention. <laughs> was, what did Har- Harry took best minor yeah, with yep. his fins. He took yep. his uh, he took the fins down to uh, uh, down to wintry Tassie and yeah. um, he did really well. Um, Again, I had a helping hand in him getting there. The, the, the thing good. that occurs to me about all of that, and I, I think we've, we've, we've talked about this before is that you know bolt action the way it's constructed is what we want to see is the hollywood cinematic yeah right but that encourages you to play in a very balls out aggressive aggressive yeah kind of kind of way whereas um a different game design philosophy might take you through a uh tournament system where you you are rewarded for getting the most victory with the least loss well if you if you had a list of two thousand points you had three games, and those two thousand points have to last you for all three exactly. games. Exactly. Yeah, you've if got you to lose them in the first game. Shit. You don't keep them in the second game. Yeah. You would see a very, very different or, game. Or alternately, that if you were rewarded with reinforcements for a major yeah, victory, I think I think that we're working on something like that. Yeah, yeah we've got ideas for yeah. scenario yeah. type events. But see, I, I like the way Silic was set up for that. That fact, like if you wanted to play that balls to the wall, hyper aggressive. There's your one, two, three podium for points. Mm. If you wanted to play a bit more strategic, if you wanted to husband your forces, if you wanted to be more careful. Here, have a nipple trophy. Yeah. (laughs) There's a podium for that as well. Let's let's explain the nipple trophy for those of us. An official Warlord Games trophy for bolt action Mm. uh, for events that are 24 or more players. Have you seen seen the, the picture of that? Shell that's pierced the outer hull. Oh of the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's basically a smaller version yeah. of that. Okay. Yep, yeah. Yep. It's about the size of a box of matches. Yeah, right. I think I got a photo on my phone actually. He's probably got it in his pocket. <laughs> well, um, just describe it to in. all of our listeners. At so, yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Allow me to describe the photo on Rubes' phone. Yeah. It's a it flat works on a, surface, yeah, it's <laughs> slightly uh, bronze in color, with a little nipple poking through it. Yeah, so it's essentially like that—a little piece of what would be armor with a shell that's gone through it. Um, and obviously in bronze, it's so penetrated. So yeah, with the obviously the words bolt action stamped into it. Right. Okay. That looks kind of grotesque <laughs> if you think about it in different terms. But yeah, it makes oh, sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's like uh, the baby's heads out or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me birth wow. to a cone head, yeah, I suppose yeah. <laughs> it's breached. So yeah. So. <laughs> What's so, that yeah, smell? that's an official Warlord Games uh, trophy, so I'm pretty yeah. proud of that. It's, that was pretty uh, cool uh, to be able to go home with those. Um, I was really lucky considering the um, standard of armies down there that I picked up a uh, player voted best painted. Um, didn't, I, wasn't, I, didn't actually able to, I wasn't able to get down there with a display tray, so that, I thought that was going to really fuck me because, I mean, I mean you're sneaky cheese, you'll know this. I mean, a display tray can mm. make or break you. It's, you know, it's a way to show your army off. Um, and yeah, I wasn't able to do that, but yeah, luckily everyone down there sort of, um, uh, sort of smiled on me, which was nice. So yeah, came home with the best painted a nipple trophy. Um, Hari came home with a mm-hmm. best axis and Rubes came home with a, a bronze Kill, nipple trophy. Yeah, so bronze kill death. Nice. It was an amazing event. We will be, we will be returning next year. 
Um, Fantastic weekend. Yeah, it was. It was so much fun. Uh, I'm actually off to the UK for four weeks next year. Um, anybody listening in the UK, I'll be last week. I'm actually, I'll tell you this right now, boys, I'm actually trying to convince Nikki to let us go um, during Tank Fest. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping, I think the funny thing is that Tank Fest actually falls on her birthday. Mm. I said to her the other day, I was like sitting there just scrolling through my phone. I said, oh, I know what we're doing for your birthday next year. She's like, hey, what's that? And I showed her and like, she's like, we're not going to Bobbington. Mm. I said, well, we are. We're going to be, all good, all good. Well, so we can, we can, if if we can't do that, we we have to do a road trip. Uh, in I think it's Parker? in September. Yeah. No, uh, to Cairns. Yeah. For I'm not driving to Cairns. No, fuck no. <laughs> well, that's that's called a road trip, Sneaky. <laughs> no, uh, well, road trip to the airport. Road trip to the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly up to Cairns. You're you're on the road, the metaphorical. How, road. You're flying know. over the road. Yeah. How 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 long is the flight to Cairns? Oh, three hours. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Two and a half, three like hours. Earth. Jesus. That's a long. Yeah, way. but they have a. Big armor festival up there. They have tanks. There's a Panzer four up there that they've got running. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, they're they're doing all sorts of shit up there, and it's really um, follow follow the the Facebook page um, and just have a look at the shit that they're doing. It's pretty full on. Um, We will we will definitely look into that. Um, Yes. So yeah, anybody in the UK, uh, if there's any events happening, sort of around about sort of. uh, June, July next year. Hit me up, let me know, and I might try and bring the LIDG. Um, it's getting late. The wheels are going to fall off, so I'm going to touch on this quickly. Uh, CanCon 2020, uh, the points value has been released. 1250? 12 1250, two-day event. Uh, Rubes and I are definitely going. Hells, yeah. I'm ready to go. Uh, Sneaky is a maybe. Yeah. Erring um, on the side of possibly not. Yeah, erring on the side of possibly not. Um, I've got to go... A uh, bunch of places around that time. Yeah. So um, if he doesn't go to CanCon, we're definitely going to drag you off to Sudlich because yep. um, oh, best yeah. weekend. I'd like to do Moab next year and and just try and get out out and about a little bit more. But um, I got to miss Moab. Used to be my like I used to say to my wife, it's like I want to do CanCon and Moab. I've now swapped Moab for Sudlich. Yeah. I'm. I've got to be honest. I look, Moab is a fantastic event, and look, you know, big props to the Sunderland Gaming Shire. Uh, those guys are amazing, um, and they put on a fantastic event. But what Russ does down in Tassie, and Tassie is just so beautiful. Oh, it's yeah, a, yeah, beautiful um, it was, place. Lovely. And it's you know it's in the middle of winter, so you get dressed up nice and warm. And you go down there and eat some really good food. Yeah, well, get... this year has been the the first time that I, I haven't done Dark Mofo uh, during the winter in in Hobart. The oh right, um, the mm. winter festival thing. So I, usually I, I go down in the middle of winter. Yeah, you, I, yeah, I love you, it. It's dark yeah, it's, and cold. It but is. You eat this beautiful food and drink yeah, a lot of whiskey. Yeah, and, you stay in yeah, a house without a skylight. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really I, good. I found the picture of the skylight, actually. Hey. <laughs> Describe so. it for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. It's a crystal clear night sky with a lone star shining yeah. through. It's the north. It's the north. The southern star. So, yeah, uh, CanCon next year. Uh, Rubes and I are definitely going. Yep. I'm Harry's going to be there. Harry's going to be there. I think Garrett's going to try and come. Um, I think everyone's going to try to sort of make the trip um, up or down, depending on where you are geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm taking a 1250 list. It's a British tank platoon. It's roughly the same as uh, what I took to Sulich, but because it's 1250, there's just more of it. Um, more infantry mainly. Uh, you'll get a kick out of the sneaky. My most expensive squad is an SAS squad, which has got eight men. It's got some submachine guns and two medium machine guns, not light machine guns. So that's about 196 points for the squad. It's my most expensive unit. Yeah. Eight blocks. So template, eight fucking template bait. Yeah, basically. So, um, 
yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. We're going to go and check out um, the, uh, the War Memorial. War Memorial, yep. yep. Uh, eat some food, eat some good food with some good people and have yeah. a rare old time. Um, but yeah, so other than that, I think next year, next year we're looking at doing four events. Uh, might run a bit of a theme through them. We're not quite sure yet. I think Rubes and I are going to run one each at House of War. Yep. Lee Avery's going to run one at the Auburn Bowls Club. And I think we're going to throw it out to... Just throw it to anybody in the community. Yeah. If they want to run an event, we'll help you do it. Well, I, I mean, I, I would... Um, <clears throat> we, the League of Ancients has got a very good space now just up the road. Really? Here. Um, so it moved out of um, the Tivoli, Tivoli German yeah, Club okay. and into the uh, Elstonwick RSL, which is a beautiful building. Um, That's closer to us. Yeah. Well, it's it, you could throw a rock from where we're sitting and just about hit it. Um, well, which which I advise all people that gets doing because that's just wrong. Yeah, don't throw rocks. No, don't throw rocks at the RSL. They'll, they'll yeah, beat, you, beat blue, you bloody. Yeah, blue cheese will, <laughs> blue cheese will be coming for you. Um, but you know, great facility, and and I would I would also encourage anyone that's that's uh, listening to this in Melbourne. Uh, and is interested in looking at some some other historicals. They do a lot of fifteen mil stuff, which is a yep. little bit out of our um, window Perfect. window yep. usually. But um, pretty cool bunch of guys. Um, it's very laid back. That. I think yeah. um, Richard Stubbs, mm. um, Stubbsy, most yeah. people know most. I mean, he's normally there bouncing around playing games. He's a really good dude. Uh, Django Upton uh, is another guy who um, plays that uh, that that uh, venue. So there's pl- plenty of good guys yeah, there. A um, bun- bunch of chain of command games running yep, there yep. pretty regularly. Um, yeah, so uh, that that's another option if you're in the yeah. eastern suburbs, um, yeah, like Nutterwadding, uh, that sure. crew yeah. as well. Um, just while we're on events, before we start wrapping up, cool. uh, all quiet on the festive front coming up on 30th of November. Yep. Um, if you go to the Facebook page, the VBAL page, or the Bolt Action Australia page, you will no doubt see links to both the players pack yep. and the event page. Um, if you're keen, get your list of money in super quick. Yeah, Spaces please do. are filling. They are. Um, and it's and the, we've got some new boards. Yeah, we've got some new boards coming thanks to Tristan doing a lot of hard work oh. and a lot of hard yards on the train. Um, bit of a festive theme for this one. So the idea is that you will be making three objective markers with a Christmas theme to them. Now, if you do that... How many snowmen are we going to see? <laughs> yeah. oh, I've actually got, I've got, I've got three Christmas trees. I would um, love to see some MG42s hidden inside a snowman. That'd be cool. <laughs> what? Okay, so say that I rock up with my three objective markers. Yep. They're Christmas themed. What am yep. I getting? You will get a golden dice. That is one it's re-roll. not actually a dice made of gold. No, just, let's uh, just, yeah, disclaimer. Let's, let's, yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> you just get a dice given to you that is good for one re-roll yep. to possibly change That's your, your one, one re-roll f- during now, the entire game. It's now, Sneaky one... will tell you this. That that one dice can change your oh, fate yeah. in a horrible yeah, oh, way. Yes, yes, it can. <laughs> <laughs> cost you cost you second place, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think it did. Yeah. Last year. And yeah. it's also part of the uh, player's choice is the best uh, Christmas objective as well. So yep. Looking forward to seeing some really cool uh, festive ideas. I know a few people that are running Japanese lists were talking about what they yep. could potentially do. Yep. Uh, Christmas Hitler. theme. Christmas. <laughs> Um, before we go any further I just want to give a big thanks out to Rubicon um, who have come out of the woodwork again no Rubicon as per usual have um, have kicked a goal for us Um, just to let you know boys Rubicon possibly coming out with the M3 Lee 
Ooh. I know. Me and Nike. the figures now are schmick. They are. Yes. They're coming they used, on really I have nice. To say it, they used leaps to and bounds. I used to yeah. think they sucked, but they're See, leaps and bounds. Now. Leaps and bounds. They are the ones that I got with the LIDG. They're still peri scaled, mm-hmm. but if that is your jam, then yeah, Rubicon yeah. are really I'm, I'm starting to stand up. Um, the tank crew pack that you got yeah. for doing that survey. Yes. To, yeah. I actually took the um, the motorbike and shed because I mm. didn't really need tank uh, crew, but so. Yeah, Rubicon have come out. Uh, War and Peace Games, again, supporting yep. us. Uh, Knights of Dice, thank you, Viv. Uh, always amazing. And, of course, House of War, where House we're War. hosting the event. And I believe there's a special sportsman's prize from Kaiju Beer. Yeah, we've uh, the Victorian Bolt Action League has entered into an unofficial uh, agreement with Kaiju. Kaiju are going to be hopefully providing us with a fresh, crispy six-pack uh, every event to give away to the best sports. And it's good shit, it- very Kaiju nice is beer. fucking amazing. <laughs> so what I might try and do is I might try and get an additional six pack out of them just for us three, yes. two each. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 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 it's a podcasting beer. Maybe we need to. But I mean, look, what about three each? Because I don't drink beer, unfortunately. It's kaiju beer though. I might yeah, give, I'll give it a crack. I might give goes, it a crack. There he goes. So um, yeah, thank you very much, Kaiju. Uh, you guys are fantastic, and yeah, beer is fucking amazing. But um, yeah, look, it's been a, it's it's been a long six months. We're not going to leave it this long. I think we'll probably try and get one in the can after festive front. Yep. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I think that this has been a little bit of an unusually uh, busy six months. Busy yeah. six months. Yeah. You had a, you had a lot of mental preparation to go and yell at people. That yeah. Took up, that took up a lot. Yeah. And we've all had shit going on. Yeah. You know, I've got a um, you know little Lexus kicking goals. Things like two and a half. Rubes work's got a dog been hectic. Was yeah. Vomiting blood. Yeah, he's all around. good now. It's good. Nah, um, it's, it's work's good been news. hectic. Everything's been hectic. But yeah, we'll yeah. try and... Uh, and the other thing is, I mean, losing Lockie, that was just like, it sort of throws a bit of a spanner in the works, but we've come back, you know, swinging and strong. Um, so yeah, look, I think we'll knock it on the head there. But yeah, thanks for listening. Just uh, just quickly, a few couple of last minute shout outs Please. as well. yeah. Um, shout Hari, out to all Yudush. our... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Hari. Love you, Hari. Um, speaking Dude. of which, shout out to all our New South Wales and Queensland listeners. Hope you're yep. all safe. Yeah, um, absolutely. Big shout out to the fireys that are putting a massive effort up north uh, fighting these monstrous fires. Yeah, stay um, safe, guys. Stay safe and um, thank you for holding the line. And uh, just recently, uh, as we all know, it was Remembrance Day. So big shout out and massive respect to all our veterans, both uh, past, past and present. And present, yep. Um, you're in our thoughts and thank you for your service. Absolutely. Um, all right, boys. JL, any closing closing remarks? Uh, no. Good night, everyone. <laughs> He's had enough. <laughs> He's just like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Uh, cheers for listening. Um, yeah, see you around. Catch you next time.